Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com forward slash swoopsworld. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash swoopsworld. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. Our number, if you want to give us a call tonight, is 562-912-3444. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Once again, if you want to give us a call, that number is 562-912-3444. Now just sit back and enjoy Another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World Late Night, Wednesday, July 16th, 2014. How's it going, fellas? It's going good. We got T-Bone in the house at the beginning of the show again, man. We're getting used to this. I don't know what's going to happen here. <laughs> when the summer's over, huh? You've set some false expectations <laughs> that you now have to live up to. Enjoy it while you got it. <laughs> Looking to an exciting but yet busy night tonight. We got uh, multiple guests, man. We're going to start off with uh, Jordan Oram, uh, the Maple Musketeer. I met uh, about a year ago at the Artist in the Plus, and he's just got a, he released a book, uh, which is uh, really interesting and uh, kind of cool. Uh, he did some travels, and uh, with a chance to talk to him about that. And then we have uh, Michael W. Stan from the Alter Billies. He'll be calling in for just a bit uh, after we get to talking to Jordan, and he'll be talking about the Cypress uh, Festival, which is this week, Peter. That's right. And I uh, want to chat with him about that and uh, what he's got going on and what, they, what the Alta Billies are up to, play a couple of their songs and whatnot. And uh, later, uh, of course, we'll have uh, probably have Angela calling in. They, the Angela and Tara, they arrived in uh, Hawaii. Yeah, how cool is that? That is very cool. They rode all the way there and uh, came in uh, a couple of days ago now, uh, over the weekend, I believe it was. Friday or Saturday, I think, right? Yeah, something like that, so... Hopefully, get a chance to chat with them and talk about their world record-breaking uh, row across the Pacific, and uh, Anthony Davis, of course, and then uh, Mike Gossard from Acidic. He'll be calling in for just a wee bit. Oh. They have a show at the Troubadour this week, and uh, we're talking about that. And uh, busy night, of course. T-Bone's timeout, brewskis, and everything else that goes along with it. Yeah. How's your week been? It's been, been okay. You know, both my kids are in camp, so by, uh, I got to get one of them to Redondo by eight get back here in time to get the other one at nine and i got to pick up at like four and five thirty so Lovely. it just it's just beat me up i'll tell you by the time i've dropped him off i feel like i've had a whole day uh, so that's the downside the plus side is i've got like six uninterrupted kid-free hours i actually went surfing today and i didn't have to pack anything i just grabbed the board towel i made myself a little lunch and it was awesome. So, 
it's it's hectic, but uh, but you're enjoying the, it. The price I gotta pay, <laughs> it's you know I'm I'm making the most of it. Good for you, man. Yeah. How about you, Debo? Uh, it's been a good week so far, man. Um, nothing real, nothing real eventful at this point. I got a, I got a wedding to go to this weekend. Mm-mm. So, uh, is it local? Yeah, it's at the aquarium actually. Oh, so, that should be kind of cool. Should be a good time. Yeah, uh, open bar. Sounds like you got some fancy friends. Yeah, yeah this one. It's supposed to be black tie, so I had to go get my suit clean. <laughs> wow. They're like, are you running a tuxedo? I was like, why the what I do? <laughs> I not, not unless you're in the wedding party. Yeah, like, I got black suits. I don't, I don't, I'm not in the wedding. I don't, I mean, I'm going to be close enough. You know? That's right. So, but yeah, open open bar and uh, the touch tanks. Everything will be open at the aquarium. Oh, that's cool. So it's going to be a good time. Nice. What day is that? That's Saturday. Saturday oh. night. So. Sounds like fun. Yeah. How about you, man? No, nothing. I think I'll swing by the uh, Cypress Festival. Uh, see some of the guests we've had on recently and. Uh, or, you know, soccer, whatnot. Yeah, soccer, soccer, soccer. Kids got soccer all, all year long just to keep me uh, busy. That's right. So I do that and try to get a few bike rides in. Well, now that's about it, man. You good? I'm good, man. Let's take a quick break, come back and introduce our <laughs> guests. You listen to Swoops Around Talks on Radio Network, and this is the Heart Pills, driver's side door, back up this.
You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hey, there's a sharp hole in the wall. You're listening to Swirl. Uh, welcome back to Swirl. We're going to get our guest on the line here. Hello, hello. There it is. We'd like to welcome to the show uh, Jordan Oram, uh, also known as the Maple Musketeer. He's an author, adventurer, and, and as I said, all-around good guy. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I, I, uh, Peter, I think I was telling you, I first, I first met Jordan at the Artist in the Plus. That's uh, right. It was yeah. an event uh, here in Santa Monica, and uh, had a chance to talk to him and uh, had a good time uh, and, and join his company. And he, uh, he gave me some little, some insights into the old yerba mate thing. You see, I got my gourd, <laughs> my gourd here. Yeah. I got this going on. And uh, let's, 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 T-Bone was worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have encountered and navigated that conversation many times. <laughs> I'm from British Columbia, Canada, so I walk around the street drinking from this. I get a lot of looks. <laughs> well, before let's, let's just dive right in. Tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and and and, and kind of how you got started doing all the magnificent things you do. Okay, okay. Um, I am from the Sunshine Coast, which is north of Vancouver, British Columbia, and I have had quite an adventure getting to this point in life. <laughs> with a lot of uh, ups and downs and sideways action. Um, I taught outdoor education for almost a decade, canoeing and archery. I went through a lot of, I went through some, you know, crappy times, some depression and stuff in my late teens, uh, dealing with a lot of perspectives and, you know, just struggling in life to figure stuff out. Um, I didn't know where I fit in. I didn't do that well in high school um, because I was bored and I didn't want to be there. And, uh, and, and there was always this challenge of what does that look like when you, when you get a job? And so I've had a whole bunch of different jobs trying to figure that out. <laughs> and and uh, along the way, I've been learning a lot of things. And, and one of the things I learned was just this desire to find better perspectives. And... Uh, I was a counselor, uh, like at a camp. I was a camp counselor. I was a resource counselor. I taught leadership development training to youth and young adults. Um, I was janitor. I worked for a university. I became a registered massage therapist at one point in time, and all of these different threads came together when the Stanley Cup riot happened in Vancouver, and I was watching the watching the hockey game and the riot afterwards at a friend's house. And one of the old timers in the room said. They need to fix that and throw all these old people, uh, throw all these people in jail, all these youth who were basically drunk and rowdy. And I looked at this and, and, I, and, and I just had this epiphany. Um, I've worked with a lot of youth and a lot of young adults. And I remember being at that age, too. And even as an adult, adult, um, just the frustration and the uncertainty and the things that we have been taught or the, the assumptions we made and the challenge uh, with the discrepancy of that. And I kind of had this multi-point epiphany and idea that I would go across Canada with two hundred. Start with two hundred fifty dollars. I'd been invited by friends and um, new friends I met through Google Plus uh, to sleep on their couches, to sort of take my backpack and take photos. I do a lot of photography and writing um, to document that that trip, where I would just go and meet people. And especially young adults uh, and people in transition, and ask them uh, what 
what they wanted to do, what they could be awesome at, what what their gifts and skills would come together as. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, I feel that right now we're alive at a freaking amazing time. And we have all of this technology. We can Google anything. We can self-educate. We can bootstrap. We can, we can use Patreon or Kickstarter. We can do all of these things. We can network and meet other people. We can combine like super transformers when they become those giant robots or, 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 or the Avengers when they assemble. Like We can do this stuff, but we, we don't yet because it's also really freaking scary to say, I want to be awesome at something that's really dear to us. Right. So I wanted to have those conversations. I, I want to encourage people to realize their awesomeness. Well, it's interesting. I mean, anytime somebody has an idea about doing anything, and, and let alone, uh, you know, traversing the country and, <laughs> and, and with a limited amount of funds, uh, when, once you step off that front porch or the front step and everything and, and, and shut the door behind you, it's it's for real. Um, when you when you made that decision to do it uh, and you and you actually got started on it. Um, were you anxious? Did you did you have any self doubt? Uh, uh, and I'm sure during the course, well, actually, you know, I've read, read your book. Over the course of the time, uh, things pop up. But when you first left and first went out on it, uh, what were your expectations? And uh, did you did you meet those expectations? I, I I like to consider myself a bit of a. I want to be a pragmatic dreamer. You know, I, I want to have these I- idealistic visions, these ideas of what can be. I want to dream high, but I also want to walk grounded with that. And so I, I stated and said that I was going to go across the country. I believed that I could go across the country. I had no clue how I was going to get across the country. And I suspected that I could at least confidently make it across the one province. <laughs> like like I, I knew that I had friends and old roommates and invitations to get um, get across the province. And, and one of the things I, I mentioned in the book and um, that kind of drove me forward was when I, when I realized that this was something that I really wanted to do, uh, when I realized that uh, I, all I could do was fail, the worst I could do was just fail, <laughs> and, and, and that I would learn from that. And, and I got to this point of saying I would rather fail and learn doing something I believe in, something I want to do, something I want to do better, then continue to succeed at things that don't matter to me, right. then to succeed at things that I don't care about. And so um, I left I left a, a quote-unquote successful career, a promising career. I went to school. I got the trade. I did that. And uh, I got so frustrated. It was just, it wasn't for me. <laughs> so, so being able to take those risks... Um, it was what forced me to have to grow, to have to learn, to have to adapt. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think uh, as, as a type of person who has goals to do similar types of things, uh, I know that when you, you get the planning phase, uh, and you know, like you said, you have uh, uh, you know, expectations, and then what, whatever happens, happens, and you, you want to go out there and try it, regardless if you uh, succeed or fail or not. Uh, but you, uh, you actually had a, a, a very interesting goal. You wanted to talk to a lot of people and meet a lot of people and, and, and hear their stories. Uh, some of the stories that you uh, you come across are, are, are really, to me personally, <clears throat> uh, for various reasons, I found really really uh, interesting. Uh, you talked about a, a, a guy, I believe, at a bike shop that you used to, to stop in at occasionally, and uh, he had talked about wanting to do a coffee house type of thing. And then three years later, you run into him, and he's got the whole thing going. Uh, 
things like that. I mean, when you when you went out to talk to people about their stories, were they all fairly receptive? And, and uh, did, were any of them that you were just kind of amazing to you that you didn't, you know, that you never heard anything like it, and, and really uh, uh, lit a fire in you? I think that, like, and part of maybe what makes me drives me and also uh, enthralls me and stokes me is the fact that I've met a lot of people, and I and every story is unique. Like there are, there are common themes of, of these desires. There's pain, there's fear, there's things that we all connect around, but there's also, every person is this amazingly unique blend of their story, of their experience, of their strengths, their passions, what they've encountered. And so that really makes each person you meet very unique. Um, and, and so every person I met uh, taught me something uh, that sounds super cliche, but, but, uh, it's, I, I stayed with musicians, this this one fellow uh, in Nanaimo, uh, it's a, a town on an island up here, and he just finished his biology degree, he was in two bands, he was working night shifts at a lumber mill so that he could afford to do this, as well as tutoring at biology, and uh, his music was amazing, um, an incredible bass player, and his roommate was a fellow who who, when I got there, he said to me, um, oh, well, would you like to maybe come and listen to some of my music? I, I, I like to make a little music. And, and I was like, okay. And I went into his room and he had these huge speakers. He had like the sound baffling on the walls. He, he had this huge computer because he did a lot of digital and amb- ambient music. And he kind of put it forward as if this isn't something he's like, this isn't his job. It isn't something he really likes. He was very shy about it. And, and I said, yeah, I'd love to. And he played it for me and it was amazing. And, and one of the the highlights of my whole trip was saying to him, um, that's really good. Would you like to maybe partner on a video? Like I've shot pictures and we could put it together. And he said, well, it's not good enough. And I said, well, I think it is, you know, and, and would you do it? And so we did that twice. And then I, and then at that point um, I connected him with some other people I knew who did a website and he did videos for them twice. And then I contacted him a couple months later down the road and I said, well, do you want to do it again? And he said, well, I'd love to, but I don't have time. I'm working on my own album. And by the time the, to the day that I finished my trip, he released his first full length album. And, and that to me uh, is, is amazing. That's a reward right there. When uh, when we, we talk to people who uh, who go out and, and meet you know just even in our everyday lives, uh, just dealing with the the general public as you may, uh, sometimes you can lose hope. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. People but, think I'm crazy. <laughs> but uh, it sounds like, and, and from kind of from what I what I was reading, it sounds like you 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 came across pretty much the good of society. Well, I yeah I I. I will acknowledge a bias in my journey. <laughs> you know, um, I wasn't staying with people who didn't want to host me. I was <laughs> with, with people who thought I was a dick. <laughs> like, hey, you're an asshole. Come and stay at my house. You know, <laughs> you're finding the people. And, and this is another big thing. The narratives that we surround ourselves with. Yeah, when we, if, if our only intake is mainstream media, uh, the stories we watch in the news are atrocity and terror and horror. And, and these aren't, I'm not saying we don't need, we, we should completely ignore all of that. Like we live in this world, but our world is comprised of so many stories. And if we talked about the generosity, the kindness, the tolerance, the, like all of those other things, um, it would greatly, my belief is that it would greatly, um, uh, submerge the, the negative stuff right. because, 
in my in my journeys, I I meet kind and gracious and wonderful people, and and yeah, like share those stories. Can we share those stories? Can we talk about those stories? Can we aim for what better looks like rather than just trudging up? Yeah, we all have encountered crap. We've all like the world has a whole lot of you know poop in it, um, and 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 don't deny that. Don't just ignore that. But but to just focus on to just keep looking at it and just keep. Uh, stirring it up that's not actually dealing with it that's not moving forward and uh, people that just want to do that they're welcome to keep hanging out there but I'm going to go hang out with the people that are moving forward because we do move forward we are moving forward change happens and and we can be a part of that and and what does it look like to model that and what does it look like to ask those questions? And what does it look like to be just like uh, one Canadian random ginger dude who doesn't necessarily have um, – like I have some strengths. I have a lot of weaknesses. I just go a bit at a time. And my whole goal with this wasn't to – I didn't have a huge budget. I wasn't staying in fancy places. But I was sleeping on people's couches and saying, what do you want to do? Do you want to cross the country? What do you want to do? And go and try and do it as a normal person. Normal people do amazing things. That's, yeah, there you go. Normal people do amazing things. Well, and I think uh, so much like what you were talking about, especially travel. I, I travel a lot. And, uh, yeah, you meet people who go uh, way back. I remember when I was like, 18 or something like that. I went to New York for the first time. Everybody's like, oh, they're going to be so rude out there in New York. Just, you know, mm-hmm. And I'm from L.A. And they're going to be, they're going to hate you. And you're totally, just totally. Blonde kid that they're, no, nobody's going to like you. And I was like, Wow, this sounds horrible. But my uncle lived out there, so I was like, well, I'll go anyhow. And, uh, you know, what I found was is that I had a good time. I met lots of <laughs> – yeah. New Yorkers are busy people. They ain't got time Absolutely. to mess with you. So if yes. you're polite and friendly, they're polite and friendly. <laughs> if you're an asshole, they're an asshole right back at you and a whole yeah. lot faster. Yeah. They're really good at it. <laughs> um, but so my point is – and I've traveled with my kids now – is like so much I tell them is like – so much of travel, especially, is what you put out there. If you put out there that you're the loud, annoying, obnoxious person who everything at home was better, then the people are going to be like, well, why the hell did you come here? Go back home. And you're going to get that. You know, if you, if you, if you put out, hey, I, I want to learn about you and I want to, oh, we're from, we're from L.A. Where are you from? And you, 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 whatever you put out there is what you get uh, back so much in traveling. Absolutely. And, and I think this, is, this speaks strongly to the assumptions we have. What do we think we're going to encounter? Um, what have we been taught we're going to encounter? Because that's going to frame what we see. That's going to be what we look at or what we key on. And so what we, what we assume, that, that'll, that'll tint the whole experience. Absolutely. When you, uh, when you first put it out there that this is what, you wanted, what you're going to do, and uh, mm-hmm. friends and family sometimes can be very supportive <laughs> and also very harsh, uh, what was the response you got back? <laughs> um, I love my family. And, and, and again, so, so is perspective. that a caveat there? Disclaimer. This is where perspectives are so bad. I, I have friends that make fun of me because I talk about, I get excited and talk about systems and the way things are organized and how the ramifications of that, what, what that creates and perspectives. And, and here's one. When, when my grandpa or my dad go and say, how are you going to make money? How are you going to survive? How are you going to do this? Um, my initial first defensive response is, you don't think I can do this. You don't believe in me. You don't think I'm smart enough to have asked myself those questions. You think I don't care that I know that food needs to go in here? Like, uh, you know, you've taught me. You, you, you've raised me. I've thought about these things, and I still want to go. I still need to go. And, and um, you know, you're not even going to support me. Um, 
that's that's the the defensive response. Uh, but being able to realize <laughs> that that's a defensive response and say, how else would a loving uh, parent or grandparent or someone who's concerned who 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 doesn't understand what you're doing, um, how are they going to respond except to say, well, I'm a little worried. <laughs> you're like you're like okay, you know, actually, what you're saying is you love me, and you're and and you're and and you love me, and you don't understand, and. And so how we look at that is so important. And my grandpa, he ended up saying, he's like, I, he basically said, like, I don't understand what you're doing. You know, you hang out with that computer a whole lot. Like, I'm from, <laughs> a, fam- I'm from a family that grew up on the coast. They were loggers and they were fishermen. Um, I was a rebel in my family. I finished high school. <laughs> you know? um, I didn't drop out and, and start operating heavy equipment like my stepbrothers and my, and my, and my stepdad and stuff like that. And um, I hang around computers and, and I, I talk to people and I read a lot and, and all that. And so they were kind of just like, there's Jordan doing weird things again. Like, sure. He's, you know, I, I worked for a university when I was 25, 26 for two years, um, traveling university program. And I went to South Africa and Guatemala with the second terms of, of the two years there looking at conflict resolution studies. And, and I found myself in crazy scenarios and crazy places. And, and the, the first day in South Africa, we randomly ended up in Desmond Tutu's house in Soweto, um, he wasn't home. His grandson was just giving us a random tour, uh, you know. Um, and and this is the thing where, like, the world's amazing. It's crazy. There's these random things happening. And I've seen that and I've encountered it and it's changed me. And other people who haven't encountered that, you can talk about it and you can you can allude to it and you can mention it. But if they are not interested, you're just going to look like a crazy guy. <laughs> Well, it's you know it's interesting, and I noticed this from uh, from you know the friends I have and, and, and my own personal experience. The more you travel, I think the more you you tend to understand other other people and other cultures, mm-hmm. and you, and you tend to embrace it more. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you were talking about all the all the crazy stuff goes on in the world. If your experience with somebody from a different culture is only thing only what you see in the news every day, and which mm-hmm. is always going to be the negative. Uh, then you're gonna, you are afraid to, to walk down the street and, and go into a different province or a different state or whatever. I grew up in the forest. <laughs> like I grew up, I had a 15 minute walk through like forest trails. I ran, I, one day in the dark on the way to school, I walked into the middle of a herd of elk that were sleeping on the ground and they got up on one side, decided to join their friends from jumping around me. You know, I ran into bears on the way to school. Um, like seriously, I probably, by the time I finished high school, I'd encountered probably six bears in my life, in my high school, walking to school time. Um, cities scared the crap out of me. I was like, I don't want to, like walking in downtown Vancouver, I was like, bears, I understand. If they attack you, they're hungry. They want to eat you. I understand this. <laughs> and and also, if bears had a soundtrack, they wouldn't be like evil, scary ones. They'd be, do, 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 do. Like a bear doesn't care. A bear's like, I want easy food. That's what the bear's doing. Um, but I was like, downtown, there's 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 murders and there's there's drugs and there's all this stuff. And, and people are crazy. They stab people for no reason. Um that was way more frightening until I actually, you know, went and walked around downtown with people. I'm like, oh, this isn't actually that crazy. <laughs> um, you know, that was my perception. That's what I've been taught. And, and, and as long as I didn't challenge it, I never would have seen beyond that. We, we, uh, we, uh, Peter and I had talked about uh, something I had read recently that said that people who uh, uh, travel through what we consider depressed areas or lower Income or impoverished areas by foot or on bike, 
have a better uh, uh, opinion of it than, uh, than people who drive through it because you mm. actually have time to experience the people that are within that community. Um, mm-hmm. Your experiences as you, as you traveled. Yeah. Uh, I, I got rides through, well, Facebook. <laughs> I got rides through a Facebook, Craigslist, Kijiji. Um, I walked, I hitchhiked briefly once. I, my mom asked me not to, and I, I didn't want to, but I had a tugboat ride fall through. So what's the guy to do, you know? <laughs> um, and, and the dude, the fellow who picked me up, I ended up talking with him a bit and he actually had been at a house party, uh, at my parents' house when I was in grade five. I uh, found out later that, that he bought like a motorcycle off my stepdad or something. Uh, <laughs> You know, it was just like, uh, this is the crazy world. And I got off in, in, in Toronto, I got off the train, walked about um, two blocks with, a, with an old coworker, and all of a sudden he's like, Jordan, there's a girl in that trolley waving at you. And I just got off the train. I looked, I'm like, oh yeah, that's Whitney. Yeah, we worked, we worked together in Victoria. And, um, you know, our world is small. Uh, and, and when you ask about um, biking or walking through towns or, or getting to see people or know people, it, it reminded me, it, the thing it instantly reminded me of is um, riding on the train. And I don't know if you've, if you've taken train travel, but uh, when I went down and met you in L.A., I'd actually, I got an Amtrak train ride from Seattle down to L.A. and back. And it, to me, it's like a more honest form of travel. Like, because you, you go through all the parts of the town. You go through down by the tracks. You go through the city center. Um, whereas when you travel by car, you, you're on the freeway. You've got like concrete. Like it's built for speed. It's built to minimize interactions. Because <laughs> interactions, interactions equal ouchie. <laughs> um, and, and this is a lot like life. Interactions can equal ouchie. <laughs> you know, the more complex, the more... The more we put ourselves out there, the more risk there is of being hurt, the more risk there is of being misunderstood, and yet the more we live life. <laughs> so I think that's part of this journey of, of what does travel do? What does being open do? What does learning do? Uh, it, it introduces us to a world that is more complex. It's more frightening. It's more wonderful. Um, and yeah, like... Uh, when in our culture, I think there's this huge in North America, at least there's whether in Canada, the US, there's this thing of we've been taught what to believe. We live in this sort of pseudo life. We don't quite we don't really delve into it. Um, and and it's like the Matrix movie. It's like all of these things. We want to know what is what is real because because we we've created this construct of society around us that is kind of real. And by this, I mean. For many people, death is a concept, not so much a reality. Um, the fact that we are squishy and can pop sometimes, which is very traumatic, um, is often held at uh, arm's length and held away. And this, I think, means that we don't truly grapple with life deeply. We, we kind of... We exist on the surface. We, we feed our addictions of whatever that is, you know, our short attention span. We, we post Instagram pictures rather than curating our voice. Right. Um, and, that's, and that's actually a, a big thing that I talk about to people is this idea that all of us are now consumers, curators, and creators. And we choose what we spend our time intaking. We choose where we sit. We choose where we go. We choose what we listen to. 
we collect that through our organic computer selves. <laughs> you know, we collect that in our experience. We collect that in different files. We save that in many ways. And then we can create from that or we, or we do create from that. But a lot of us do it on autopilot. So what is the legacy we're leaving? What is this sum of food pictures, <laughs> uh, hast hastily taken food pictures? And, and, and here's what I want to say. Like, I've got nothing against – there are people who take amazing food pictures. And, and what I want to say is, like, commit to what you do. Like, live life deeply. If you love taking food pictures, review the crap out of that. Yeah. Like, actually taste it. Take time to taste it. Write it down. Um, you know, take it up a notch. <laughs> and, and this is, like, we have the tools. Um, when I think about television and this – if we can look at that as being a bit of a passing thing now, we're kind of moving on to different stuff, um, though it still is heavily entrenched. When I think of the high bar of television, I think of BBC's Planet Earth. I don't know if you've seen that or remember that. It's yeah. like, was it Richard Attenborough, David Attenborough, flight, from Flight of the Condor days. Um, and he, and, and they, they, this is our world. It's amazing. And this is the high bar to me. And yet then we also have like, I don't know, hog wars and reality TV. And we've got like, we've got like, here's dumb people doing stupid things. It's like uh, the Simpsons football to groin, you know, like Hans Molman getting hit in the junk. And that's hilarious. And, and yeah, that's kind of funny, <laughs> but, but in life, do we want to surround ourselves with, with opportunities of like planet earth or do we want to fill it with football to groin? Do we want to, uh, plant our own gardens, know where our food comes from, have people who love making food, craft amazing meals that are filling and healthy and make us wonderful, or do we want to just cram our pie holes with, you know, cheap schlop? Yeah. And I know what we all choose. <laughs> I'm not saying we don't all, you know, every now and then, but, but can we at least aspire to more? Can we take little steps to more? Can we help each other to walk towards that creating more because i've seen planet earth and it's amazing and i've read incredible books and they're amazing and i see the friends and people around me and i see hints of their incredible ability and they're afraid and i am afraid <laughs> and and the thing like if i can do anything if i if my story has anything i hope it's that people see that i'm a normal person who was really afraid of a lot of these things and still is by a lot of things but i'm willing to try it i'm willing to to just to do it to try it to throw it out there and see what happens and um i'll i'll stop after one one last little thing which is is crossing a country there's a lot of different ways to do it. <laughs> you know, you can fly across it uh, in a in a in a less than a day. Uh, you can take a train; it's like five days. You could drive. You could you could walk. Um, some people, based on their life, their experience, how they're going to do that trip, they would they would plan. They would save. They would have the whole itinerary. They'd have all the money ahead of time, and they would do that trip. And it would look very different from me and my skills and my experience. Saying, "Okay, I'm going to end up on the East Coast in Halifax." I don't know what any of the middle stuff looks like. I've got invitations, but I don't need to know that yet. I'm in Victoria on the West Coast, and all I need to figure out how to do right now is get an hour and a half north of here to Nanaimo because I have friends there who said I can stay there. And 
the way I crossed the country wasn't by planning at all. I didn't even know that. Like random stuff happened all over the place, which, you know, reading the book, you would have seen that. Like I, I go to one of my old students' weddings and they're like, hey, you should come up to the Bruce Peninsula for a week. We've got a family cabin and, you know, hang out and, and see it. And I was like, there's a thing called the Bruce Peninsula? <laughs> you know, cool. And, and I went up there for a week. Um, you know, and so the mechanism of travel, we don't need to have it all planned out. Right. We want to. But but we use that as an excuse to stop us from doing anything. Do you find that I think like you, just piggybacking on what you say, um, you know, people they have itineraries and they need to stick to that itinerary. And you know, we're going to see this on this trip, and we're going to see this, and we're not going to see that because that's that you know we don't have time for that. Uh, when you are able to and take the time to to do those side things and go. To, to a cabin here out of the way and, and uh, did you find it to be a little bit more liberating? Um, yes and no. I mean, in many ways it was the way by which I had to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, having super limited resources <laughs> means that your options are somewhat limited too. <laughs> so, so, you know, I ended up in a lot of the main cities. I love parks. I love hiking. You know, you follow my Instagram. I, <laughs> you know, I love, I love nature. I love climbing things. Uh, but a lot of my trip was in cities because that's where the invitations were. That's where people were who I knew and that's where people were going on rides. So that kind of limited it where I could go, but freedom in schedule Okay, perspectives. Uh, everything is blessing and curse. You know, this this is uh, you know your fright. You you have all this time. What are you going to do? You got to choose to do something. Well, you know, flip a coin. Go left. Go right. Um, yeah, I, I it's it's hard to hard to explain. Um, I love walking with people, doing photo adventures, and bringing them along, and just trying to free them from the this this demon, this monkey on their back that they have to have every step figured out. Um, it, there was also something I read a while ago, maybe a year ago about, um, some top CEOs and I talked about how they scheduled unscheduled time. Like, like they would have a schedule and schedules are good. They help you get stuff done, but scheduling unscheduled time and the gift of those unscheduled times. So if you're doing a trip, you can fill the itinerary, you can be running around, but what if you take a two hour chunk and you say for two hours, we're not planning anything. We're just going to leave our hotel and walk around or we're going to go to a cafe or we're going to write or we're going to do whatever we want. Um, I think there's a lot of reward in those times that we in our world and mindset don't give opportunity for. We're talking to uh, Jordan Oram, uh, the author of Crossing Canada with the Maple Musketeer. You're listening to Swoops World on Talk Story Radio Network. Jordan, when you, uh, excuse me, you know, you you like you said, you left with limited resources, and then we're gonna we're gonna jump on some other stuff real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you know, we hear stories of people doing this, and then eventually you run out. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, do you mean like right now? You know that I've got a I've got a almost full time job right now <laughs> at an outdoor clothing store. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, um, Mm-hmm. When when you know when you, when you get to that point, it, but it, it doesn't uh, to a lot of people that to them that that kills the dream. It's like oh now I gotta go and and work full time, and next thing you know, it's like oh I've been working here five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you 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 seem to always have you know like kind of a plan. It's like I'm gonna work here long enough to do to to gather an, enough sustenance to move on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few things. One, I have a I have amazing friends. 
Um, I, I want to say that right now. And um, I've had people in the past, like I had one person just who I didn't even know write me and said that what I do is abhorrent and horrible and I'm a slug and I'm a, I'm a lazy person who takes advantage of people. And this person, I had never even talked to this person before. Like, and I was like, okay, um, let's have a little conversation about what I do, how I do and why I do it. Um, because I, I strive to only go where I'm invited where people say, Jordan, come and stay here. Uh, we value what you do. You bring skills and story and, you know, I can teach guitar. I can, I can teach intro to photography. I'll have conversations. Um, I offer mentoring and stuff through my site, through my, through my website or in person. And it's like, no, I want to have conversations. Like I take a huge time of my day. I love people and I love the people and I love my friends and I want to help see them be, uh, having richer and more fulfilling lives. So I, I love going to see all these people and they invite me back. <laughs> you know, it's not like they're just like, get out, it's, you know? Um, and, and, and I'm very careful at like when I did the trip across Canada, I didn't contact friends I knew in towns because I didn't want them to feel obligated to have to host me. I, I said, I'm, I would just post on Facebook and put it out there. Um, there were some, like I contacted my old roommate cause they given me an open invitation. But, but I didn't just contact strangers or other people and be like, uh, can I sleep on your floor? Um, <laughs> the strangers who I did contact and say that to were people on couch surfing uh-huh. because they, that mechanism exists. Right. <laughs> They're saying, Hey, we want strange people to sleep on our floor, <laughs> you know, who are vetted. Um, so as far as the work and job and, and does that, is it a despondent thing? Uh, yeah, my brain's a crazy place of many ideas and they jam together and I get new ones. So this is, I wander around. I'm a very holistic thinker, but I get back to the question <laughs> sometimes. <Welcome to> the <laughs> <world. laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're just like, I just go on a ramble again. We're drinking mate. Mate is great for pondering and wandering and ideas. Um, yeah. And, uh, the thing I'd say is that this job right now, I do it because I know why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. It, 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 Hey, like my coworkers are awesome. I get to meet them. I'm, I'm selling gear. I, it's a, it's a double-edged sword hearing about all the people I'm helping get suited into backpacks and they're going on like multi-day canoe trips and they're going to Pakistan and they're going to all these amazing places. And I'm like, great, have a good time. (laughs) Um, but, but part of it is, is that I have my goals. I have ideas of what I'm working towards and and so that allows me to say, okay, I'm working here till August, till the end of August. And then I, I'm saving up so I can buy a ticket to go to Poland, you know, because there's someone in Poland who I dearly miss. <laughs> and this is a story about how also when you're a single person with no family, with no, um, with like with no wife or kids, uh, you can have your costs be very low. Your timetable can be a bit more stretched. You can be a bit more easygoing. When you have someone else in your life, those are demands. And it's totally reasonable for people who have you know, family and kids, et cetera, that they don't have the time. They can't take the size of risks that I did. But it's so very important and valuable to realize the power of your voice and take little steps a bit at a time. You know, I, I, I think of JK, the story of J.K. Rowling, who would get up an hour before she had to to write a bit on her manuscript. And, and whether you do an hour a day or an hour a week, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> or a sentence a day or whatever, but, but put coins into that long-term hat because if, it, it, it's so fruitful. It can be so fruitful and wonderful more now than ever before. And so, yeah, the job, 
this is not a bad job. That's it another sounds, thing. You know, the job sounds like it's right up your alley. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's working somewhere doing the things that the things that you love to do. I got stories from when I was a janitor that are disgusting. <laughs> I've, I've been to places like I, I, when I was 21, you know, 20, you know, I did manual labor. I did, you know, I have, I've, I've had a lot of different jobs, so this is not a bad job. <laughs> when it was stinking hot outside, I had air conditioning, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, it's part of the greater vision. Um, so, so that allows me to do it. Like I, I didn't want to. <laughs> I was I was looking at doing a trip across Canada and going to do speaking and 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 highlight the book and and the Patreon and 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 want to bring promo to like you know more people can see the book because I think it's kind of a good thing and most people who look at it tell me it's a good thing a few say that it sucks but <laughs> thank you um, and uh, and and I, and I see uh, this is the frustration of seeing what can be right. seeing what might be seeing what is becoming, seeing what is existing in little bits and places and, and, and trying to make it happen, trying to walk in it. And it's so frustrating, but it's really encouraging to realize that all of the other people who came before us, who were part of their change, who were part of their growing, they had this same frustration. <laughs> so, so we're not alone in that. <laughs> And we shouldn't have to like create the wheel or anything, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then, and well, actually, this is one of so much of what we do is is seeing what works in the past. Technology is advancing, and we combine it again in new yet old ways. Right. So, so look at Patreon and how we can now microfinance and crowdfund people pursuing their passions um, and making our world more incredible. Like, like that is super cool. Um, Oh, there's yeah, many ideas, more things I could talk about. Gosh, Jordan, I, I want to make sure we, we cover everything you want to talk about tonight. Is there anything that you want to talk about we haven't touched on yet? Um, firstly, I would like to say thank you for having me here because you guys are awesome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and and uh, it was uh, I had a great time meeting Swoop uh, and uh, hanging out in the in the green room and in the studio there before, and it was just a lot of fun. So I wanted to make sure I had time to say that because <laughs> again, I do get excited. My brain. <laughs> However, I can focus as necessary. <laughs> no, it was like I, I was telling Peter, it was a blast. And, and one of, and one of the, the things, the most memorable part of that experience for me was, was meeting you and, and, and being able to, to talk to you and, and get to know you. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the music was good, but I was kind of stuck <laughs> in the green room most of the time. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. was, was a great thing. And, and, and let me touch on uh, something uh, associated with that real quickly. Uh, uh, not to just blow off. Sure, but, sure. Go. Um, you know, you, you told me about the yerba mate, and, and I asked you about it, and you and mm-hmm. you, you, you told me about uh, guayaki, guayaki. Yeah, guayaki. Uh, yeah, and, and tell us a little bit. How, how did you get uh, first oh. get involved with uh, yerba mate? Who brought that to you? Sure, um, I like this. That's a good question. I like it. So, uh, a lot of people might not know what yerba mate is. It is. Uh, it's a it's a tea. It's a well. It's a it's a it's kind of like a tea. It's an infused drink. So it comes from a, a holly plant uh, in the holly family from South America. Uh, a lot of around Paraguay, Uruguay, uh, Argentina. It's also drank southern Brazil, and you basically infuse the tea, infuse the leaves over and over again, and drink the liquid yummy goodness. Um, one of the things around that though is this culture that emerged around this culture of of sharing, of giving, of hosting. And I first encountered yerba mate when I was volunteering and working at the children's camp, where there were all these um, 
Mennonites who emigrated from Paraguay and, and they were drinking this crazy weird liquid out of this hot thing and it was weird and um, the first time I drank it I burnt my tongue and I was like that's crazy and and I didn't drink it again for like a year until the next summer and they were like Jordan just take little sips and I'm like oh you opened a whole new world and and the thing I love about it is that there is this there's this around the circle the the host prepares it and it's it's passed you you fill it you drink the whole thing down and then you fill it and you pass it to the next person and the host serves and around it you have conversation you have openness you have community and I, I, that's i mean that is amazing in a, alone of itself um what happened on my trip and how i got involved with guayaki is the fact that I've been drinking mate now for almost almost 12 years and I travel with it it's always it's always with me and I like to host and and serve that to friends and and other people I meet so I, I end up just naturally talking about it because it's become it's also a great conversation starter. I mean, you walk around with a with a cow horn that is steaming, and in the winter it looks like it's smoking, and people are like, you know, you get two responses. And this is again, this separates. This is how when you talk about people and perceptions and biases around here, people will see it, and and everyone sees it. Some people will see it and then like furtively look and glance, but not say anything, and kind of walk away in whatever judgment or ideas they have. Other people will look at it and they'll go, "Excuse me, what is that?" Like, I've got to know, what is that? Like, that's crazy. Um, right there, you found people who are engaging, who have some curiosity, who are willing to start talking about these things. And so that's that's nifty. I mean, that's I, I like that about it, too. Um, I ended up on a Mate Friends Facebook group where we, um, <laughs> where we kind of, a friend and I started it, and through that met Mate drinkers from around the world. And on my trip, as I was going across the Canada, at one point this one fellow said, dude, you should really contact this company because they do amazing stuff with Mate. They do amazing, they do reforestation of the rainforest in South America. They, they're doing, um, they, they build up jobs, uh, sustainable jobs. They are organic. Um, they, they are just this amazing company and, and I read about it and yeah, it was, it was amazing. So I contacted them and I was like, here's what I do. I have a crap ton of followers and you know, uh, I drink a lot of mate, you know, want to hang out and, 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 and they looked and they said, uh, yeah, sure. Like, um, you know, our, our, our ethos is mesh and it's a good, it's a good uh, team thing. And I'm like, I'm super happy to be uh, a digital ambassador for them. Um, the, it's, it's a product thing. Um, they give me some mate to drink and I'm happy to share it and let people know a about how amazing mate is, but, but Guayaki, this is, Oh, I, I got excited again. <laughs> the, this is, <clears throat> Oh, there's okay. Oh gosh, there's not enough time. <laughs> okay. One of the things that I just want to touch upon is that systems and how we organize and that our old systems were based, our first systems are based out of models of dependence. Uh, religion, uh, our family model, all this stuff is out of need and dependence. And as society grew and technology grew, we got to the point where we were able to leave some of those dependent models. Because in dependent models, often there's an unequal, <clears throat> unequal distribution, distribution of labor <clears throat> and stuff like that. And so abuses happen. So as soon as we can be independent, we say, heck yes, <laughs> and, and we leave those models and we become independent. We live now and operate now in these very, in a more independent world where we're somewhat disconnected. We've got laws that are 
supposedly more objective. <laughs> um, you know, we, we live in this thing that's organized around these ideas of independence. And that's good and bad. You know, we kind of disconnect from that. We say, I'm just looking out for number one. The rest of you can look out for your number ones. <laughs> and if you want to do trade with me, it's going to cost you because it's all about me. And, and, and that's better than what came before. But it's still not great. And one of the answers of what we can build and what we can do is what I consider moving from dependence to independence, helping people develop independence, become aware of that, have boundaries, set boundaries, but move beyond that into collaboration, into what I consider to be healthy boundaries, inviting people to participate in stuff, in win-win things, in, in supporting with our actions, better choices, better companies, um, and, and working together around that. And Guayaquil does that. Right. You know, they, they, you see, you hear about places where they're concerned. What is their social footprint? What, where do they source all of their ingredients? Where does that money go? When you buy something from that company, you know, you're supporting a company. You can read their mission statement. You can read their values. There's transparency in their documentation. And you go, it's not just about a dollar that serves me. Because the reality is that if we only look at ourselves, everything else, it, it falls apart. Like it's a false illusion. We cannot just be singular. We are interconnected with everything around us. And if we don't pay attention to that, poop's going to get crazy. <laughs> you know? And, and, and it is. And, and the way that we can model better change and better ideas and better ways is by showing what happens when we work together, when we work healthfully together. And, and when we invite participation and it, you don't have to convince everyone who doesn't believe you, you don't have to convince the people who don't want to do it. Look around and find the people that are ready for it and start doing it because we're super adaptable <laughs> as people. And when we see things that people are doing and it works, we take that really quickly. Absolutely. So, so the way to affect change is not trying to convince the majority that they're wrong, right? This is Gandhi. This is Tolstoy. This is Thoreau. This is uh, walking the way that is right. You know, find the better ways, ask about those, seek them out and then walk in them. And any company that's doing that, my hat off to them and, and people that are doing that, you know, yeah, it's sucky at times. It's hard, but, but it gets to the point where you're like, how could you do not, how could you do other right. and, and wake up in the morning and still be cool with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks to you. I, I've become a digital ambassador with them also. And <laughs> And uh, I look forward to uh, to continuing to, to spread the word of the the, the mate. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan, uh, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we got to wrap things up, but uh, let's let our listeners know how they can contact you, how they can get the book Crossing Canada with the Maple Musketeer. Uh, you're you're all over social media. Why don't you put out some of the links and some of the uh, sure. addresses where people can find you? Absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, my website is jordanorum.com. Uh, you can also search maplemusketeer.com. That'll find me because Maple Musketeer is the little avatar name handle that I use on everything. So Twitter, Instagram, Maple Musketeer will find me. Uh, it'll find my website. Through there, you can find my Facebook. Uh, and yeah, look on the website. If you want, contact me, write me, ask me questions. Uh, I'm, I'm stoked about sharing perspectives. That to me is addressing the foundation and the root of all of the symptoms and all of the outpourings of our life. So, yep. Absolutely. And, and uh, I, I would encourage anybody and everyone to take it, uh, to get a chance to uh, go there and, and you got to check out this book. I mean, the, the pictures are amazing. The stories are, are, are wonderful. And, and, uh, and uh, you take some uh, amazing 
photos that you put on Instagram too. Uh, you just uh, and I can't believe you started off with just some cheap little camera. <laughs> well, right now I mostly use my uh, my my iPhone, the old iPhone that I have. Yeah. You know, so it, it's all all awesome, Jordan. Thank you so much for joining us here on Swoops World, and uh, hopefully we we'll get to talk to you again soon. Thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm sorry I got excited and talked so much. Hey, it's radio. It's good it's for radio. Us. It's a good day. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll do this again sometime. All right, brother. Take care. Take care. Best of luck. Thanks. Bye bye. That's Jordan Orham. Uh, he's out in Canada. You get a chance to check him out. Uh, if you didn't catch all those links, uh, Jordan Orham, O-R-A-M dot com, maplemusketeering.com, or you can go right here in the front page of uh, Swoops World and click on the uh, the link that says he's on the show, and, and there's a link to his stuff right inside the uh, the article there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, uh, come back and do some brewskis, and then get our next guest in line. You're listening to Swoops World on Talk Story Radio Network. This here is the Ultra Billies, and this is called Aim and High. Back up to this.
Hello. Yeah. Is uh, this Whoop? Yeah, Mike. How you doing, man? Good. We have uh, Mike Stand uh, from the Alter Billies calling in, and uh, they're getting ready to do a show at the uh, Cypress Festival, Cypress Family Festival. How you doing, man? It's been a, it's been about a year since we last talked with you. I'm doing great. I'm listening to some good rockabilly on this uh, station here, Sloop <laughs> World. <laughs> That's right. That was you guys, man. And I, sorry I had to cut it off. I, I, I was trying to multitask here. I was, I was just sending you a text, but uh, we, we, we're, we're good. We're good to go. Tell, cool. us, uh, tell us what's been happening with the Alter Billies and, and remind, our, remind our audience a little bit about you guys and then tell us what you got planned for this weekend. Well, uh, we are a group from uh, Orange County, rockabilly group, obviously. And we've been together for about six years, and this trio, Chuck, Johnny, and myself, and actually this is the genesis of this group is basically Johnny, who decided to take a few of my songs from years ago and said they were, uh, could be kind of transformed into a more rockabilly style, so that's where we started. But since then, the group has kind of taken on a life of its own. And so in 19, 2000, 2010, we released our first CD, and since then, been putting out various singles. But we decided to go into the studio, Energy Studios in Hollywood. We cut 14 tracks in one day of uh, upright bass and drums, and then I finished it off in about 300 hours later. And we have our new record with about 15 cuts on it, titled "Heading Out West." Nice. And that's is that already uh, out, out for release, or is it coming soon, or? That has been as released. That is out as of a couple of weeks ago. So we've been getting it out there. It's just uh, you've been doing a lot of things ourselves with some friends helping us. So we've been getting it out. And uh, CDs are printed. It's up on iTunes. Everything's set, ready to go. Nice, nice. Uh, well, you guys are you guys are back at the uh, the Cypress Family Festival. Uh, uh, how many years is this for you? I think this is our third. Our third year, I believe. You know, first year we played was on a little side stage, and uh, we we tore it up and did our best. And so Carol and everybody invited us back to um, the main stage last year, and so they invited us back again. I mean, how great! Nice. I mean, that's an honor. It means they like you, <laughs> which is a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, they have you back. They they must. <laughs> So they have Chris Anderson too, as you know. It looks like you had him on a, a couple of weeks ago, and they're good friends of ours. Yeah, we we had to, actually we had them on last week. Uh, yeah. and uh, we, good, we good see, folk. Yeah, we see that uh, uh, both of you guys were uh, were on here last year. You were there last year. I keep saying family festival, Cypress Community Festival. It really, um, really is. So you know, our our we consider the rockabilly that we do very family family friendly. Uh-huh. You know, um, so that's that's important. That way, you kind of can embrace a lot of people instead of one little certain subculture. Right. So that's what we try to do with our music. Nice. Now, the, the new album, uh, you guys, have you been out uh, playing a lot of gigs, uh, promoting it? Yeah, mostly mostly locally. Yeah, we've been playing uh, quite a bit. Well, we released it, and then I went on vacation for a week. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we did, uh, a couple weeks ago, we played at the Orange County Fair, and then later that day, same Saturday, we played at the Anaheim Packing House, this, this new facility out in Anaheim, and we're probably going to be regulars out there. It seems to be a really nice fit for us. Great. And then we have you know some car shows coming up and some different things come uh going back to the packing house. So, yeah, we're busy staying local. You know, we all have families and jobs and commitments and other things, so it's great that we can get together 
a couple times a month and rip it up, you know. That's good. And you guys, uh, you guys have been together for quite some time now, huh? About yeah, about six years. Yeah, yeah six years, pretty much. And uh, you know, averaging two to three uh, gigs a month, like I said, just locally, and uh, that that works great for us. I mean, there's so many people that live in the Southern California area. We figure. Why hassle with going out? And we have so many people here. Why hassle with touring? You know, so uh, you know, there's still a lot of people have not heard of, heard of us, and um, so you know, we're just getting out there and just tearing up wherever we can. Nice. Um, what time are you guys going to be? Uh, you go on stage this uh, Saturday? I believe it's about three thirty. Okay. And the main stage there, and I believe we have a forty-minute to an hour set, and. Um, so we always include our originals, a lot of originals. We like to include, you know, some Elvis. Got to include some Elvis and some uh, Eddie Cochran. You know, we got to make sure that we uh, kind of uh, tip our hat to the uh, ones that came before us. Yeah. And because of the guys that started it all, and we just are building from from that foundation that's already been laid. So we're not reinventing the wheel. <laughs> we're just kind of starting with what was already there and putting our little twist on all these star music nice. and trying to cover a lot of bases with this record so very cool now if people want to find you and find your music uh you got some website info for us yeah we have several the neat things we have a lot of really cool uh videos that we sold alter billy's uh youtube channel a-l-t-a-r and then we're also on reverb nation and we have uh of course got a facebook page because everybody's got that and of course itunes so yeah, we're we're out there. We're definitely out there, which which is great, nice. you know, on the net. And you know, the record uh, it's about 50 minutes of music, which is good. About 14 songs and a hidden track. And so we we put a lot of time and like so we're 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 pretty excited about it um, because it's a real strong foot uh, foot forward for us. So right. that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, do, uh, do you guys like uh, you like being in the studio at all? Oh, you know, <laughs> it has its ups and downs. It's, a lot of it I I did on my own, and, and it was it was tough. It was a chore. It was a labor of love. You know, it's it's not as glamorous as what people think at all. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of effort. Most of the guitars on this record are double-tracked. The leads are all double-tracked. So when you hear a lead, that's me playing it twice over itself wow. perfectly. And a lot of the rhythms are double-tracked perfectly. So I want, like I said, you know, you start with the genesis of rockabilly. Back then they didn't do that, but we kind of wanted to put our little twist on there. I don't know if on our next record I'll go to that extent again. It was kind of difficult at times, but uh, we did it this time. We made the choice to make the guitars a little bigger, and uh, that, that did it, but it kind of took a little longer than I thought. But then again, it always does, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you appreciate it a little bit more, right? <laughs> well, you know, when you have a full-time job and a family and you want to spend 300, 300 to 400 hours on a record, you know, that, that, that takes a little bit out of you. But yeah. <laughs> we did it, and the results are, you know, are, are good. You know, you figure if you're going to do this, you want to make it the best you can. Absolutely. And that's what we try to do. Absolutely. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you coming on, and, and I, 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 sorry we we couldn't get a, like a full a full uh, interview with you this time around, but uh, well, maybe, cool, uh, I appreciate anything. Thank yeah, you, absolutely, and uh, hopefully we'll get a 
come by and see you on Saturday. I, my, my goal is to get down there sometime that day and uh, hopefully be able to see both you and the Chris Anderson group since you both Well, if you do come times. by and say hi, I've got a CD for you. All right. All right. On the house. <laughs> on the house. It's the very least we can do. Okay. Absolutely. So. Well, that's Michael W. Stan from the, from the Alter Billies. And, uh, and like you said, you can find him on Facebook and, and whatnot and uh, YouTube. And you can go to right there on the swoopsroll.com. And uh, right there where it says uh, Jordan Orm and Michael Stan on the show tonight, there's a link that will link you to their stuff. Mike, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, hopefully see you Saturday. Thank you, Swoop. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of the evening. You too, brother. And uh, good gift. definitely check them out. Good music. And uh, we're going to play some more of their stuff later on the night. Uh, right now it is time for Brewskies. It's time for Brewskies, our beer tasting segment right here at Swoops Road Late Night, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. So grab yourself a glass, pour yourself a brew, and join us right now for Brewskies, sponsored by DrinksWineSpirits.com. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. And welcome to the most important part of the show. That's, uh, it's not the Yerba Mate segment, it's the beer segment. Vitally important. Uh, tonight we're drinking um, Swami's India Pale Ale from uh, Pizza Port Brewing, which I don't know if you guys have had that before, but I haven't had this, but uh, others of their offerings are quite good. Uh, Shark Bite Red, I think it's called, I like a lot. And here I had a whole list I of them. I never remember the names when I make That's my one thing, I know. They have odd names that never stick. Yeah, well, there's a. Oh, Riptide. Very good. I've had that. Um. Da, da, da. Killer Dane, I didn't care for. That's probably about the only one I've had that I didn't like. Shark Bike Red, that's a good one. Anyhow, they've got a long list. Tonight's is Swami's IPA, and here's what they have to say about it. They're brief. I like that. Similar to the Wipeout IPA brewed in Carlsbad, this is the original San Diego IPA. We have been brewing this beer since we installed the brewery in 92. Big and bitter, like the Wipeout. A true beer lover's beer. 6.8%. So it's a nice little kick there, which we like uh, for an IPA. That's pretty good. And um, there's a little bit more on the back of the can. By the way, they're drinking out of a can, which is unusual, but, you know, not such a bad thing. Certain places. Yeah, certain places where a uh, can can be, you know, useful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Pack it in, pack it out. That's right. We are... Uh we're going to have, uh, hopefully, Angela Madsen calling in pretty soon, as well as Anthony Davis and... Uh, Salud! Salud! Salud. Oh, yeah. Uh, these are bubbly little guys. Who's up? Who's up? I guess you, hey. Right? I think so. Um, good. Yeah. It's, uh, it's got some hops, man. It's got some hops. <laughs> they weren't kidding about that. <laughs> this has got some hops, and it's right up our alley. Good taste in the beer. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't normally uh, drink much of canned beer or whatever, but uh, this is some tasty stuff, and uh, it's not too heavy or anything. I mean, it, it's an IPA, right? It's not a double. Yeah, it's, it's an IPA. It's just a straight IPA. It's, uh, it's a good brew, man. I like it. Uh, I'm with you. I'm, I'm liking this a lot. Um, as we've often mentioned, uh, we, we drink Stone's IPA, and a lot of times when we drink something afterwards, it doesn't... You're like, yeah, I have to clear my palate here for a few moments, uh, to, you know, to really even taste this beer. And this beer, it it Swami's holds its own. It's it's it can go toe to toe with uh, with the stone, and I am really enjoying it. My one complaint is uh, it's a little 
over carbonated, but that might have just been, you know, I'm transportation. Talk taking it out of the fridge and then yeah. taking it back in and then taking it out again. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't think that's uh, it's uh, it's that's probably all it is. But uh, good good beer. Yeah. I, I started to like it before I even got to sip it because as I was pouring it into the cup here, it just smelled fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I spilled a little bit over the side, and I just. I didn't taste it. <laughs> like the rules of the game here, but I definitely took a nice extra couple of whiffs. I would have motorboated it if I could. <laughs> it's got a beautiful aroma. It's got just fantastic amount of hops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's not so much alcohol that it's going to put you on the floor after two of them. I mean, I'll get to the floor eventually. <laughs> right. But, uh, I, I I like it. I mean, it's just. Yeah, I'd like to really taste this one on tap. Yeah, I bet you this is might warrant a trip here. Sometime. Yeah, right. This is a this is a good beer. This is a very good beer. Absolutely. Uh, let's go one to ten. Ten being best. I, I'm a solid eight on this. Yeah. Probably go a little bit higher, but I think eight, eight's good. Yeah, I'm, I was going to go with an eight and a half. Uh, I've toyed with the idea of a nine, but uh, I'll, I'll stick with the eight and a half. And I am an ocho. Something like that. Good beer. Good beer. So check these guys out. Uh, they, for those of you who are in the SoCal area, they've got uh, locations in Carlsbad, Ocean Beach, San Clemente, and Solana Beach, all of which uh, I understand all of them brew. Yeah. Uh, so they don't all have necessarily the same thing at all times. That's the other understanding I have. But I know uh, the San Clemente one has a pretty small brew set up, but they do still brew. So there you go. Here and there. Uh, this is uh, this is great summer beer here. Um, so, you know, anything you put on the barbecue, this is probably going to go. Just yeah, right. Uh, this uh, this will just go really nicely with anything uh, that you're going to put on the grill. I would think um, has enough hops. It might overwhelm those earlier, you know, except for maybe something like chips and salsa and guacamole. It'd probably go perfectly with that as well. You know, skip this one for your salads. Go with something else. Skip or skip the green stuff altogether. <laughs> T-bone here. Uh, got that whole salad thing yeah, that's right. <laughs> so there you have it. Yeah. There you have it. Welcome. 
Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. What's up, guys? This is Jarrett. This is Patrick. This is David. And we are Haster, and you're listening to Swoops World Radio. Yeah, baby. on the Talk Show Radio Network, and uh, hopefully we'll hear from Angela. Not well, we'll get her back on the show when uh, when they get to Hawaii. I know they've been doing a lot of uh, press junkets since they've arrived, and uh, so is that code for umbrella drinks? <laughs> no, I saw about I, I saw about uh, flips of the clips of uh, Hawaiian news and whatnot, and uh, cool. New Zealand news, and uh, so. Uh, 
They, uh, you know, they got a lot going on. But uh, if we don't get a chance to chat with them tonight, we'll be chatting with AD here in a little bit. But uh, how about a little uh, DraftKings, man? All right. If you like sports, which I know you do because you come here to listen to me every week. You, know, <laughs> you come here to listen to our cool guests and hear Peter talk beer and hear me talk sports. And, you know, all the other people that talk sports, too. Uh, you got to check out DraftKings. And you're already on swoopsworld.com, so just meander your eyeballs and your mouse cursor over to the right side of the screen and click on that thing where it says $20 million guaranteed. Yes, that's not a, that's not a misprint. That's not me blowing stuff up your ass. That is $20 million guaranteed giveaway that you get a free entry into just for signing up. Go to swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings. It's fantasy sports one day at a time. Check it out. You can pick a team. If you don't like it, you get a new team the next day. So have fun with it. Again, it's swoopsworld.com slash DraftKings, or click on that $20 million giveaway banner ad on the right side of the page. Woohoo! Peter! Uh, which one am I doing? Am I doing the Audible? Audible.com. Also on the uh, Soup World page, uh, usually up at the top there. Audible.com is a great way to, you know, get your reading in without actually having to read. Um, they have 150,000 titles, new ones every day. Uh, and they uh, offer for you to go, if you go, blah, blah, blah. If you go to Soup World, no, I already got it wrong. <laughs> Audible.com. Audibletrial.com. It's the trial thing. Like, you tried to do it on his own that time. You know, <laughs> Anyhow, if you go there. Uh, as, as my old coach would say, that's a half ass effort. This <laughs> <laughs> board was my coach's <laughs> If you go there, you will get your first free, your first book for free. Um, you know, you might be asking yourself, like, where, where are you going to listen to this? Uh, you know. You're on the treadmill, you're on the bike, you are in the car, you need to drown out little kids. There's lots of options, um, lots of different ways you could uh, do this. Uh, I know Swoop's been listening to, what, what book What book are you on to now? Uh, you just finished one last week, right? I, I finished the, uh, the the Marshall Taylor uh, book, uh, and, and I actually finished the one I just picked up the other day because it was a short uh, number of hours, but it was longer than the... Uh, one I was going to get. I was going to. I told you I was going to get the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's only. It's such such a short book. It's hard. It's hard to just yeah. buy that. Uh, that uh, what do you call it? You know, credit. Credit. So I ended up getting another short book, but longer than Hitchhiker's, and I got uh, Not Taco Bell Material by Adam Carolla. It was <laughs> read by Adam Carolla. Oh. Or, Pontificated by Adam Carolla. Uh, hilarious. It, it is freaking hilarious. It's a great book. Uh, you know, it's just. I imagine fun. that's one that really makes the medium shine. It know? does. Like, it does because that he, guy's delivery he, is just. Amazing. His delivery is amazing. Uh, he doesn't actually read the book. He goes off a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff you can't get in the text. It's tough about getting the text. It's just <laughs> awesome, man. It was. It was it's great. And I I listened to uh, that on uh, two two rides this week and. Uh, rip right through it great book there, well there you go so lots of different ways to do it check it out audible audibletrial.com forward slash swoops world there you go I got it um, and you will help the show out <laughs> slow clap for that one. Oh yes for all your fitness needs check out our good friend Jack Nine over at Roadworks R-O-W-O-R-X dot com located right here in Long Beach at 50 blah 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 what is it 50 what 5750 5750 Boathouse Lane 
You the man. You're in it every Wednesday. www.rowrx.com. 562-688-1716. Let them know the Sweet Show sent you your first week. is free. Indoor rowing, personal training, uh, boot camp, and much, much more. Where to Bike Orange County? Where to Bike Orange County is a book I wrote. It's part of a travel series. I covered Orange County and the 85 best rides there, uh, geared towards the recreational cyclists. Uh, 30 of those rides are kid-friendly rides, meaning completely car-free. So your, your little ones, all they got to worry about is running into trees and whatnot. Uh, the other... Th- 50-plus rides are cover everything from the very casual three- or four-mile ride with lots of things to do afterwards uh, to the much more challenging 40-, 50-mile rides with hills and wind and all that. You can purchase the book uh, at all the big, you know, online or, or all the local stores here in Long Beach and uh, Orange County, REI, uh, Barnes and Nobles have been carrying them, um, as well as local bike shops. Uh, if you go to the Swoops World homepage, you can click on the, uh, the ad there. I'll take you to Amazon, who will deliver it directly to your doorstep, and we'll earn a few pennies that way. So check it out. Where to Bike, Orange County, also comes with a, a really useful uh, companion app that uh, lo- uh, ties in with your uh, Google Maps, helps you to not get lost like Swoop did when he was down in uh, San Clemente. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> the answer to that question is no. <laughs> I'm just going to kill the suspense. Uh, and let me say, I have used a book uh, since then. <laughs> and it's been spot on. He's a slow learner, but he's a learner. <laughs> he said, I'm already in the book. You I don't need to read it. you got to repeat a class. <laughs> it's a great, uh, it's a, it's a great book. Well written, and uh, kudos to you for oh. such a bunch of oh, fun. Thank you. <laughs> What's your next book going to be, Peter? I don't know. I got to come up with something though. <laughs> I think you should write one book every month for a whole year. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. I'll be doing some storybooks. I didn't say Don't they had too long to sleep. <laughs> Uh, it's a great one. For those of you who may not have read that one yet, I bet they have that on audible.com. They do have it on audible.com, but it's like a buck. It's a waste of a credit. You know it's a waste of a credit, but, but it's funnier. Spend a buck. Spend a buck. Samuel, well, the one I, I know there's a couple of them now. A couple of readers. The one that you gave me uh, is uh, the uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, my God. He is just so... Just perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Spot on. Dude. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Any parent out there has been through that one. Yeah. <laughs> All good to proverbial hood. How about uh, color patterns, man? Ooh, color patterns. Threw one at you, huh? Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, I haven't done color patterns. <laughs> <laughs> color patterns is a cool app for your iPad brought to you by Talk Story Media. And with color patterns... It lets you create all kinds of awesome-looking, fantastically colored patterns and everything like that. And you don't have to do the dirty work. The patterns are already set. You can color with your fingers. You can use some cool kind of stylus or brush thing. Uh, and when you, when you mess up, which I do all the time, unlike on the radio, you can you can actually undo it. You know, so That's, when be you useful. mess up, you can hit the undo and go back to a little pristine section and do it the right way. And uh, you choose the colors, you fill it in how you like it, and when you're satisfied, you can print it out, you can share it online on all the different online services. You can even 
connected to a service that will print a postcard professionally for you, and you can send it to your friends wherever they accept actual physical postage anywhere now. So uh, color patterns, it's in the App Store. It's a dollar ninety nine for your iPad. It's uh, it's a good time. Yeah, good times, man. We are about uh, I don't know, we're about uh, seven minutes away from talking to Anthony Davis, former uh, USC star, NFL NFL star. We'll be talking to him about some sports stories and whatnot. But uh, until then, we'll take a quick break. Come back and uh, get him on the line. How's that sound, guys? Sounds good. You're listening to Swoops Rolling Talk Story Radio Network. And let's see, what do we got here? It'll make us feel cold. Mm-hmm, right? <laughs> kind of warm in here. Yep. Oh, let's see here. Uh, you know, How about a little big bopper, man? All right. Hello, baby. Yeah, this is the Big Bopper speaking. <laughs> oh, you sweet thing. Do I want? Will I want? Oh, baby, you know what I like. Chantilly lace and a pretty face and a ponytail hanging down. Wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Make the world go round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big eyed girl to make me act so funny. Make me spend my money. Make me feel real loose like a long neck goose. Like a girl. Oh, baby, that's what I like. What's that, baby? But. 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 Oh, honey. Chantilly lace and a pretty face and a ponytail hanging down, a wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Lord, make the world go round, round, round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big-eyed girl to make me act so funny, make me spend my money, make me feel real loose like a long-necked goose, like a girl. Oh, baby, that's the one I like. What's that, honey? Pick you up at eight and don't be late. But baby, I ain't got no money, honey. <laughs> oh, all right, honey, you know what I like. Chantilly lace and a pretty face, ponytail hanging down, a wiggle in the walk and a giggle in the talk. Lord, make the world go round. There ain't nothing in the world like a big-eyed girl to make me act so funny. Make me spend my money, make me feel real loose, like a long-necked goose and like a girl. Oh, baby, that's what I like! This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that piñata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. 
And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Talk Story Radio. This is Evan from the Bicycle Stand. Stick it in the big ring, and you're listening to Swoops World. Swoops Road and Talks Radio Network. Let's see if we can get Anthony Davis on the line here. Yes, let's. Ringing is against the ring. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingies. Please leave your. <laughs> we will. Uh, we'll try them again in just a second. <coughs> you been watching the uh, Tour de France at all, man? No, I have not seen a bit of it. <laughs> I, I've, I completely forgot about it. Really, <laughs> it's uh, it's been pretty good. I mean, you know, it's taken its toll on a lot of big name riders. I remember you talking about that last uh, week. How all the big guys have at least crashed once, and many of them are done multiple times. And you know, broken collarbones and. Because they're not allowed to juice anymore. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not superhuman. They're not strong enough anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so it's blown been... over by a steady gust of wind now. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, I, I'm still amazed uh, just the amount that a lot of these guys have left after five. Oh, this was this was brutal. This guy left led led the race uh, a couple days ago. That. <laughs> And welcome back to Swoops Road, Anthony Davis, and US USC five-time NCAA champion, as well as uh, NFL, CFL, USFL, you name it, he's played it. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing great, man. It's always good to have a chance to talk to you and then see what's happening in your world and the sports world. Uh, we'll just get right into it, man. Have you seen? Did you see this? Uh, this bill that the the uh, governor signed, I believe, yesterday or the day before, limiting uh, full con- uh, high school mm. full contact practices. Yeah, I know. I, I I spoke on that today at the Long Beach uh, uh, out Long Beach at, at, a, at a medical clinic about that. Oh, time out, time out, time out. You were in Long Beach today. You didn't stop by the old studios here, brother. Have, stop by, have a beer. No, I didn't have time. I, I, I had to do that and get on down to my my office. All right, man. But but the thing is, uh, I discussed. I, I thought of that, heard about that, and you know, concussions is a serious topic. And uh, you know, I mean, and, and and they're gonna, it's coming to a point now. I mean, so when high school, college, and the NFL, they got to realize that that's a serious thing, and every, and every individual player uh, got to be treated accordingly based on the brain injury. And I don't know, I guess that's a first step. You know, I mean, if if a person gets hurt, that's it. And and they don't want any contact doing doing practice, do they? 
Well, here's a question I have. If you don't have the contact uh, during practice, um, do you do you do you perform well during the game? Actually. Well, you know, I can tell you that in some NFL teams, they don't, they didn't, you know, they got some hitting in training camp, but they didn't hit during the season. Well, yeah, but by the time you get to the NFL, you've played the game for 15, 16 years. I'm, I'm talking about high school kids, and I understand they're trying to just. Uh, well, I mean, fundamentally. Well, fundamentally, you got to teach them the game fundamentally, but do you have to beat them up during the week? No, you don't have to do that. I, I can agree with that. I mean, if a kid is fundamentally sound in movements and you taught the basic game, you got to do a little bit of hitting, but not like some of these high school coaches do, because a lot of these kids get beat up the kids. And on game day, they're all tired and beat up. I just, you know, I know that you you can you you can do it, but the kids got to be highly skilled and trained properly, and that's that's the lacking was lacking in all these divisions of Pop Warner High School. Some of these coaches are not confident enough to teach them the game fundamental wise. If they're fundamentally sound, you can get away with that, but. It's far and far between because some coaches don't know how to do that. Yeah, it's right. an art. Some of that teaching, some of that fundamental teaching, still needs to happen at at as close to game speed as you can get. And you need to know how you're going to react, you know, in in situations. And well, you can do, you, you you can do that. There's ways of doing that, but you know, if you just want to be out there, coach is going to be a madman beating your kids up. No, I, 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 you know, those junction boys days are over. I don't think we have too many guys out there nowadays trying to make kids piss blood. But at the same well, time, I don't really think you can. I don't. Well, we do well, I don't really think you can. I get it still, and think that they're they're out there to be tough guy drill sergeants too. So, well, I don't think this is coming to a head, and I don't think that's going to happen. You're going to see minimal hitting anywhere. Uh, I know you don't do it in the NFL because you got to protect your 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 investment. It's bad enough going on Sundays because when I was in the NFL, we didn't hit during the week. We didn't do that because you, you, if you beat everybody up, you got to pay these guys all this money. The only time you're going to save it, you're going to save it to hit on the weekend, on Sunday. But if you're hitting every day and ain't going to play a game, well, you can be beat up before you get to the game. You can have injuries before you get to a game. Yeah. So if you're going to get injured, you might as well be injured in the game, not in practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I, my only question is, and, and I, I didn't see the, the – I didn't read the bill, so I, I guess there, there's some contact that goes on in practice, which makes sense. Because my, my question was, at first, when I thought there was no contact in practice – uh, you got some guys playing high school. That's the first time they didn't play pop Warner. That's the first time. Right. The first time they're taking it. Right. That guy can look great with no contact. I mean, he could be, right. be a hell of a flag football player. But once, <laughs> right. uh, once the pads are on, it's a whole different ball game. But uh, I right. guess they do get to, to do some hitting, uh, you know, during the week. But it, it's limited, right? Yes, yeah, limited. I mean, you got to do a little bit of hitting, but you can't do all this massive hitting that, they, that they're, they're talking about. You can't do it. You beat your people up. You can't do it. You can do it on all levels. And the problem you have now with these head injuries with the young kids, that's a concern. As you know, youth football around the country has been dropped, has dropped off 6% from last year. Kids are not joining up now like they used to because of the head collision and concussion problem. So these kids, these young kids need to be taught properly how to hit. Right. But I mean, there's no escaping the clock. Like I told the group today, football is a beautiful game, but it's a dangerous game. And you got to know what you're dealing with when you put that helmet on. And there's nothing in this world that can protect the head. I don't care about this helmet technology. It doesn't work. You can put a tank around your head. It doesn't matter. When that brain starts shaking, it's like an egg in a bowl. And when you shake it enough, it falls out. That's when you got problems. 
with uh, and every time you and every time you get hit, you got a problem. Every time you get hit, you know. I know I played with some slight concussions and even know it. Well, I know I did. Here's a question. Here's here's a good question regarding that. We're talking about head injuries and stuff like that. You know, we and and, and the changes that sports are making around that. Um, you got to look at a lot of sports. I mean, it's not just football. I mean, you can look at youth boxing. You can look at soccer. You can look at youth hockey. You can even look at youth baseball because uh, you know these guys take some hits with uh, with you know from the from the ball there. Um, is there going to be a huge change in all sports? I know that right now it's like uh, football is the, the soup of the day, but uh, is it going to be this way throughout all youth sports? I think I think you see something coming down. I mean, you know, don't 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 put I'm not going to put my name on it, but. Soccer, football, hockey. I mean, he's coming down. Those are all collision sports. They're trying to make a, make a statement about that it's dangerous. And so, you know, all those collision sports are, are, are in jeopardy now. And, you know, in the NFL, when you take the NFL, they made $9 billion last year. They got to protect their brain. And I could tell you about the National Football League, what I have advocated, and Dr. Amon, who I deal with, they should be on a heavy supplement uh program if you don't get your bread head beat in you're gonna do you need to be in a hyperbaric chamber and if you're gonna play the game you got to prepare it for when you re- retire and leave the game yeah. and, and, if, and if you're gonna play professional football and you know that the, the the effects of brain conclusions with the with your head there's consequences and anybody that puts a helmet on all has brain trauma no one escapes that so so if you're playing the game and these owners are making $9 billion a year, like the NFL's made, in the, the collective the richest men in the world, you should give these guys lifetime medical. Lifetime medical. They help you build a brain. You take care of them. Forget the suit. And whatever that, that the settlement was, and I know one thing, good thing the judge said, but now she says you judge each injury, injury different. If you played longer, you get more money. But at the end of the day, they all should get lifetime medical. If you play one year or 12 years, it takes one play, one shot, and, you, and that can end you. Well, here's, here's, here's the issue with, with you, didn't even try to, you mentioned the lawsuit and stuff. Um, I think lots of times people, uh, they, they see that they've, they've, been, they've had this injury or whatnot, but they see dollar signs. Uh, I think lifetime medical is actually more important uh, than, uh, than a big chunk of money at times because a lot of those guys will blow through that money and won't, won't, won't put it away for uh, uh, medical. Right. Medical and, ex- and, 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 and excuse me, if they don't stay off the weed and all the other stuff, <laughs> all the other stuff that they get on, anybody, a guy that has a, has a habit will blow through that money, just like you said, especially if they got a habit. Drinking, cocaine, marijuana, whatever they're taking. <laughs> and most of the time, it's the, and most of the time, it's the weed. Amy, let's switch. Let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh, this yeah, week, I know you want to switch after that one. Uh, we, we, we got plenty, man. We got plenty for you. I'm just teeing them up, and you uh, you knock them out the park. Uh, this week, Tony Dungy got in a little trouble by saying that. Uh, he uh, he wouldn't have drafted Michael Sam, uh, not because he, uh, he he's, he's come back since then, not because uh, he didn't think he was talented enough to be in the NFL. He says he didn't want the circus around him. Uh, a lot of people thought that was anti-gay. Uh, I think it's the same kind of thing people were saying about uh, Tim Tebow. Uh, but what were, your, what were your thoughts about that? Well, first of all, <laughs> it's very controversial the way he came out and stuff and, and, and about that. 
And and let me say, is 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 talented, but they might perceive to be being drafted last. But I'm gonna tell you, like I've told you, there's much there's guys in the league, there's guys that came out of Division One that were better and bigger than he was. There's guys out there bigger than him, better. They didn't even get drafted. You know, so I mean, from that standpoint, from my point of view, I wouldn't have ever made this. I mean, you know, Dungey said it just from a, foot, a pure football situation, and then he also said it secondly, it's too much of a, it's just too much of a uh, distraction. And sure, I mean, did, did, is it going to do well for the ticket sales and his jersey sales? Yeah, absolutely, because you got a huge gay cop population out there. But I still contend that you're going to have issues in the locker room. I mean, people ain't ready for that yet, you know. And 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 I and I think frankly he should have never came out. I mean, you know, you might as well, you might as well come out and say, hey man, well look, you know, if he can be, I got ten women, I got a harem. You nobody really want to know what you're doing privately. So, but if he can play despite of all the distractions and despite of what Dungey said, hats off to him. But he better be able to play. Well, that's uh, that's what that's what uh, I think. I think what happens with anybody. Same thing happened with Tebow. You get highly scrutinized uh, because you do bring the what they call the circus atmosphere to the, to the team. And uh, uh, you know, no matter what, no matter what it is, no matter what it is, because the PC mafia well, yeah, is I, certainly okay with some people and not okay with others. But I think I think you got the same thing. But, I mean, that was the same question about what, what teams would draft Rodman too, right? Is a circus coming to town? Does it distract from the team? Now this guy, he's all yes, but he, is he really good? Yes. Yeah. He, he out to be <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me tell you what I heard today in the hood. <laughs> comes to Long Beach, that causes the hood. <laughs> no, okay, I went back. I went, I went, I went, I went down south and back to the hood. Let me tell you what I heard in the hood. This will blow your mind. And for all you listeners, I want you to listen carefully. I deal with all socioeconomic levels, all socioeconomic deals, people, black, white, green, whatever it is. When you go into the hood, it's a whole different, different deal, as you we know. So I'm sitting there. One of my spots, and say it was brothers in the room. <clears throat> they started talking about the gay situation in professional sports. And one brother said, "I don't care what the man does, but man, the sad thing I don't like is there's two brothers are doing the Collins and and Sam. What's his name? That's his linebacker's name." He says, uh, "How come it had to be some brothers to come out come out of the closet? We suspected some other folks to do that, but two brothers doing that." One in the NBA and one in the NFL. And I said, well, hey, man, look, that's what they want to do. Hey, man, he see, then the guy goes, that's disgusting. <laughs> we got enough problems being black. <laughs> so I said, it is what it is today, my man. Social media, everybody's got to be known. Everybody wants to know everybody's business. And so he came out. I said, would I have done that? The guy asked me, would you have done that? I said, no, I wouldn't have done that. I'd have been private about it if I, if I chose to do that. But this guy comes out. They come all over ever comes out today. But in the hood, everybody in that room was anti both of those guys coming out. Well, I think I think with uh, I think when you talk about professional athletes uh, specifically, you know, there's a hi- there's a history uh, with the, the you know pres- professional athletes going to clubs, being seen with these women, and, and this kind of stuff, and, and and all that kind of uh, things like that. And I think guys, you know, guys that are gay that don't want to uh, to pretend 
they want to live their lives, you know, out in the open. And and uh, even though they're professional athletes and they're in the big, you know, they're in the spotlight, they feel that you know, let's let's go ahead and say who we are, what we are, and that way we can go out and uh, be seen and not be hiding out in uh, in a club and be seen wherever we want to be seen with whoever we want to be seen with. Whatever kind of club we want to go to. So the bottom line is, if you're gonna come out, you're still gonna deal with homophobia, anti this, anti that, and you add, you know, since we came to my two black guys, there's gonna be some added stuff. You got to deal with that. And Tony Dungy, he's entitled to his opinion. I don't care what people do. He he can say whatever he wants to say. He's entitled to his opinion. Might not might not my proper thing to say, but he's entitled to his opinion. And if and if these and if these guys come out and make statements, they they better be ready to deal with the consequences. Because everybody ain't gonna tell the truth. They're gonna say, "Oh, it's cool," and behind the scenes, they don't have nothing to do with it. I'm telling you, our society has come a long way, but they they they're not totally there yet. Well, that's that. When you talk about that, and this is what you know. I think Tebow mentioned it uh, a second ago. You know, everybody's entitled to opinion, but right nowadays when you get crucified for your opinion, uh, regardless if it's not the, quote, right opinion. Um, I think I think the world works a whole lot better when people do express their opinion, whether it's the popular opinion or not, because it does, it does generate discussion. It does uh, create a situation where people uh, are learn about other people and, and, and learn what other person has to think about certain things. And then you can still come to your own conclusions. But a, a, a hidden opinion. Uh, let's let's go back. That's another thing that's in the news is Donald Sterling, right? Everybody is talking about, uh, you know, Sterling and the things he said on a, on a private phone call. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, some people say, "Well, I didn't know he was like that," and this and the other. Uh, when when you have these discussions and the word gets out and people get to hear what you got to say about different things, uh, isn't that better than uh, being you know hidden? Uh, uh, you know, thoughts and uh, beliefs that uh, are hidden. Uh, express yourself, man. Okay, let me say this to you about Sterling. Okay, all Sterling represented was he just said what a lot of people think anyway. So I don't care what he, Donald Sterling did; he was doing just what a lot of people in America still think. And that, and that's the really wake up call for everybody who heard it, but who knew about the Sterling situation. He just saying what some of the most of these people still think. They think that we're inferior. All we are is athletes. We can't think, and we're just animals. He just said what some people still think. Well, you know, here, here's an interesting thing, uh, and, 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 and I, and I, I kind of have to agree with the, the person I heard say this. Uh, uh, you know, somebody else who agreed with Donald Sterling was Chris Rock, and he said what Donald Sterling said was he didn't want his woman. Hanging around with a bunch of black athletes, and he said, "Chris Rock says I don't want my woman hanging around with a bunch of black athletes either." <laughs> and, 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 and Lee also put a bunch of ends on the front of it too. <laughs> he put a bunch of ends on the front of that too. <laughs> hey, what's happening with that trial? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? You think uh, you think he's got a? I mean, he, he, the bottom line is, my understanding is, she's got to prove. That he was incompetent, which allowed her to sell the team, and he basically has to prove he's not incompetent and not senile. Uh, and I think it's the, the trial. I think all the testimony's done. It's probably ready to go to the, the judge for for a ruling. What, what are your thoughts on that? This this well, hold on. This is what I, this is this is what this is what I think. This is what I think is going to happen. I think he's going to go through all the court proceedings. 
suits and all this. The NBA's got to take that team, though, by September and have it rolling because that is going to mess the league up. It's going to mess it up. Well, did you hear? Did you hear the testimony of the, of the acting CEO, uh, the guy who used to be in charge of B of A? He said that uh, he's had conversations with Doc Rivers, who said, and Doc Rivers is not only the head coach; he's the president of the, of the organization. He said he will not return if, if Donald Sterling still owns the team. He said he's talked to several players who said they may not return if Donald Sterling owns the team, and uh, a couple of assistant coaches have said the same thing. So. Um, you know that that that's uh, the judge should not be swayed by that. But say the judge's ruling is, hey, he was not senile. You didn't have a right to uh, to exercise your uh, power of attorney, whatever it was, to sell the team, which leaves Donald in charge of the team. What happens? Uh, season starts not too not too long. You know, what, a couple months away, right? Well, put it this way: if he comes in there with an empty stadium, an empty staples, an empty stadium, a Staples Center, and they boycott. And NBA players refuse to play the Clippers. Guess what? The league is the league is messed up. That's what's going to happen. Blake Griffin, all of those guys, Doc Rivers. Let me tell you something. If he's still there, they'll fill it in the NBA. So the NBA's got to do something because when the people don't come to the stands and the sponsors pull away, you got a big problem. And these players don't want to play. And, and iconic players like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. And Wade and Pierce and the Loves and the Clay Thompson, all those guys in the NBA, if they refuse to play, you got no league. If they all said, I'm doing a, a universal boycott, you got no league. And, dude, I think Sterling cares. I don't think he cares one way or the other. No, I don't, I don't think he does. <laughs> and, you know, this, this trial, trying to, trying to prove or disprove that he is senile and or incompetent to run a team, I don't know if you've ever had to deal with, you know, elderly relatives towards the end when they're not quite right in the head anymore. It's, that's, a, that's a situation that is awkward enough to play out in the privacy of family conversations. And to have to do that shit in the court of law in such a public forum is just, oh my god. I mean, I, I would never have envied Shelly Sterling anyway. But well, Frank, let me tell you what's going on. He, he's, holding the whole, he's holding the whole public by, by the hostage. He's holding everybody hostage, holding NBA hostage. That's why they got to do something. Because if not, if, if these players mutiny on the league, you got to prompt the league. The brand is going to suffer. If they, when they, if they boycott those games, and those ballplayers boycott, them, you got no more NBA. And I don't even think he cares. Oh no no. <laughs> well, he I didn't mean, care. He's, what? Like, he's like trying to he's trying to stop this uh, the sell a, a two billion dollar sell. <laughs> I mean, but the problem is if 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 he's the clock if he's welcome back in the whole thing it's it's his that's right. quote unquote property. I mean the team the the entity is his <clears throat> possession and he's not welcome or able to be in the presence of it according to the NBA. But they can't. Well, this what the this what this. This is what the league has to do. The league's got to take the team, re- keep, keep the team together as a whole, let him go through his process of suing or whatever he's going to do because he loves being in the courts, and, and let the process work itself out. In the meantime, they've got to maintain the league and integrity of the league and the brand of the league. If they don't do that, you have a problem. 
you got a problem. You can't dictate what's in the courts. They've got to fight it with their resources, all of other all the other owners. If not, they're going to lose their sponsorship. It'll be a snowball effect. Snowball effect. In the number two market, they're not going to let that happen. Well, and, 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 not, and, and now that the fact that the Clippers are really the brand team, even though the legacy of the Lakers is there, and their brand is biggest, you know, then Miami's and the Boston's are still the big brands, but they're up-and-coming franchise. For the first time in, in their history, they, they got a serious team, a serious contender. The league's not going to let that happen. If they do, the league is going to go in the drain. That's my opinion. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Last thing, A.D., uh, today it says uh, Oregon was picked to win the Pac-12 in preseason media poll, UCLA second, USC and Stanford tied for third. What What are your thoughts on that? You're talking about the North and the South. And the South is definitely UCLA's a team to beat. I think they said, I think they have SC taking second in the South, but third overall in the Pac-12. So the two teams that beat in the Pac-12 are, are UCLA and Oregon, in my opinion. But anything can happen. But on paper, SC has two losses: UCLA and Stanford. But here's but, but here's a t- here, here's a tough schedule for USC. They got to go to Syracuse, play there. Come back and play Stanford the second. They got to travel up to Palo Alto. That could be tough right there. You never know what Syracuse might do. But if it's Boston, I think it's Boston College or Syracuse. Uh, I'm not sure what team it is. But anyway, they got to take they got to take a they have, they have to take a trip across to, across the country and come back and get ready for Stanford. So already on paper, they already have them losing to Stanford. So, so I'm, I'm saying you, you're I don't know how they come up. It's up. They, they, they got, they have possibly, they're possibly going in. Oh, they're probably going to start, possibly can start the season 0-2. It could, possibly. It could, it could, it could be that way. But then, and, and they can surprise everybody and be 2-0. But, but, but yeah, as you know, you have to play the game. You can't play the game, you can't play the game on paper. But in terms of the talent and system in place, you see, it's an academic thing for SC, in my opinion. They got to learn a whole new system, whole new coach to click together. And frankly, they're really starting from scratch because they know they have the quarterback there. I don't think they're really sure about who's really going to be the the mainstay quarterback, and that's a problem too. Right. Going into a season, all these other teams we're talking about: Stanford, established quarterback; Oregon, established quarterback; UCLA, established quarterback; Arizona State, established. So, see, they already have the established systems and players in place. SC doesn't. So they so they got to find their way through the season. If he can get through this season with the sanctions, last of the sanctions, and he does something, then he'll come out smelling like a rose. A lot of people don't think that's going to happen. The polls say different, but a lot of people on the streets say, "Well, they don't even know what's going to happen with USC." I hope they do well, but the, but on paper it says no. Not because they don't have the talent; it's because systematically the kids are not in sync like they have all the rest of the kids in the conference. Well, it's, it's going to be an issue of team chemistry as far as, I mean, whether, whether they can kind of get a little bit of that gel to come fast or, I mean, they can hit some lightning in a bottle or if it's going to be a slow, ugly process. And, you know, I it's hard to read Sark from the outside. I mean, I've never talked to the man in person. Uh, I, I It's it's tough to know what he's like behind the scenes. Uh, well, he's well, we'll put it this way. If, 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 if you take what Keyshawn Johnson said about him, 
He just said it's just a better version of Lane Kiffin. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you, you I mean, you, do you have to say any more, or you want to go have a conversation with Keisha on why he said that? All right. Well, let, let's 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 wrap this up. But uh, real quick, uh, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. Did I see that they uh, they just added? Is it the 2015 or 2016 where they're going to play Alabama? 2016. They haven't played in what a number of years? That they played a few times in the 70s. Like yeah. That. So that that looks like a a big money maker right there, doesn't you think? Yeah, that's a big money maker. They're playing in 2016. Is that when they're playing? Or 2015? I think it's 16. 16, I believe. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever it is, 2015, 16, 17, that's going to be a big one. That's going to be a big one. And if is still there, and you got to know, his brand's going to still be there. He, he's going to have those horses in the SEC coming there, and hopefully SEC will have their act together too. So that will be a that'll be barn barn right there. That will be a good one. That's if SC can bring it, get back to the level of the national promises they've always been if they can get back to that. If not, you know, hands off and hats off to Alabama. You know, uh, they've been there the last six, seven years. Yeah, you know, we we talked. You know, you mentioned Saban and stuff like that, but you know, I I I I kind of think back, uh, and I know coaches, uh, coaches are you know they're important factors of the college football and whatnot. But it seems like years past. I mean, when you talk, you know, when we talked about guys like Bear Bryant and Woody Hayes and John Robinson and. John McKay and, and, and uh, you know, guys like that. Uh, you know, are there still guys of that stature uh, in college football, or, or, or is this just some uh, childhood memory I have? Well, yeah, you got, I mean, I, I'll put Saban there. I'll say Urban Meyer there. Uh, I'll say, those are two guys that I think about that can be in that category in terms of consistency and the best in producing players like that. You know, you can even bring and put in Stoops like that. You can put, you know, Stoops in there like through Oklahoma, but he's down on the list, in my opinion. But uh, with those two coaches, yes, you can put them in the category of all those guys. So they've proven that. Definitely saving and definitely, definitely uh, uh, guy at Ohio State. Yeah, it just seemed to me like the back back in the day there was there seemed to be so many more there guys. You know, the guys, the guys at OU and Nebraska and, and uh, yeah. Florida. Tom Osborne, the, the, the you know Tom Osborne, John McKay, uh, you know, Woody Hayes, Bo Schimbackler. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, Daryl Royals. Right. Right. Yeah. Joe Paterno. Joe Paul. <laughs> so, but it, but but it's only a handful of those guys today, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then the two the two that I mentioned at Ohio State and Alabama are my two top that, that 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 would fit in the category. Ad, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, man. And, and and we look forward to each week to to be able to bounce some things off you. And, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you had some some good plans for. This. I know you're going to be down at the, the Tilt or Kilt and, and, and doing things on down there or at. Uh, what was that? You buy a wee fry place he goes to, that fish place he goes to, too. I know, ADZ. He gets around, man. See, man, let me tell you something. You got to do it out of CW Chris. <laughs> and ask him you want the AD special. Crispy crab, french fries, catfish, and some shrimp. You know, make you a new man. <laughs> it's always a pleasure, man. And we'll chat Thank again you. soon, man. Thank you. Take care. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. <laughs>
This was real to talk to you right on network. This is James E. Day. This is called Rise Up. Back after this. Got a nice little vibe and sing, you know. Coming rough for that drum and bass, man. This one, to all righteous people sing. Tell me a little something. We've got years to come and years to go. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Time to live and time to grow. Lord, we've got time to love but no time to Take them under the tank, come in the order, they fall 
are coming in what's are coming in twice are coming in three times or more I said they may come in what for coming in quick too Your dog can follow me one follow me twice follow me three or four times or more You don't know when I come on a time what you fight and don't no need to express In an elaborate style Children all over the world are coming in all the while Different culture prepare savage and color We stand up as one come back we fight for power So rise up is a guided meditation on parenting. Take a deep breath in and let go of the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you hit that piñata into your neighbor's yard. Let it go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel. And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds. At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Talk Story Radio. Hello, this is James Eday from the Dub Rock Duo. Just wanted to let you know that you're listening to Swoop World. And uh, we're waiting on, uh, we're gonna, we're, pretty soon we're supposed to have a call from Mike Gossard from Acidic. They got a show at the Troubadour this week, and, 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 and T-Bone was telling us about a show you saw at the Troubadour. Yeah, you know, I went to a show at the Troubadour probably eight years ago with a, an ex-girlfriend, and we saw Cat Power, which was a favorite band of hers. It's like a, kind of, it's, it's an all-girl band, imagine that in the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they play a lot of kind of depressing, uh, kind of breakup y type music. Not pop style, though. Like very, very singer oh, songwritery. Song oh, that kind of song. Um, but with a, just a tinge of more pissed off. <laughs> uh, and I, 
I don't know the girl's name because I this is the only show there's I ever went to, and I only had to listen to the music when I really had to. Um, but the lead singer gal got she had a bottle of Jack <laughs> up on stage with her, and she just kept taking swigs as the show went on. And eventually, her music was so sad and depressing, <laughs> and she got she got so drunk. That she got super hmm. emotional and just ran off the stage crying. <laughs> and she still had a microphone on, on her person. And you could hear her crying off in the green room. And then you could hear her throwing up. <laughs> because uh, she was just, she drank at least a fifth of Jack. Oh, I mean, ugh. and she was not a big person. She didn't, she didn't you know, hey, Janice could pull that shit off. She was not, for, not a big person. For a short while. <laughs> for a while. It caught up to her, too. It wasn't the Jack Daniels that caught up to her, though, right? <laughs> no. Not, not from what I hear, anyhow. <laughs> yeah, not like you knew her personally, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what else was in play. Uh, yeah. A lot of things were in play back in the day, you know? That's what I'm saying. Uh, what were we talking about? What were we talking about? Oh, before the... Uh, when the it was an AD callback when we were talking about the Tour de France. So oh, this yeah. guy was leading the, he was leading the race. There's two of them, two stories. The race or the stage? The the stage. Okay. This guy was leading the stage. He led the stage from start to almost finish. Uh Oh, yeah. Uh, Like four, close to five hours, right? And with less than 100 meters left, the Peloton caught up with him. Bottom line is he ended up in 10th place. Yeah. I mean, he he was he had a he had a 19 second lead with less than a mile to go. And wow. all those bastards just drafted him. <laughs> they just pulled, they they caught him. They caught him. They caught him. He was a breakaway. Blew past him. Yeah, he was a breakaway. And that same that same stage, there was a guy who was probably gonna be finishing in the top five. With inside of the finish line, flat tire. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and he just pulls out. I'm like, if I rode for five hours in a race, I mean, I've ridden for, you know, three or four hours and got a flat tire, and I'm just miserable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just, I'm just pissed off. But uh, it's not like I was looking for a jersey in this, in a, you know, a podium and two kisses in the cheek from two hot chicks. I was just trying to get, trying to get home. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, 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 been, uh, it's been interesting. How, how many stages are left? I think uh, I think they got another. Yeah, this week. is either last week or next week's the last week. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they haven't done the time. They haven't done the time trials. They usually intersperse a couple. Yeah. They, this the they usually part. start with the time trials, have one in the middle, and then one at the end. Usually, one, one like, but they change it every year towards the end, like the last couple they're stages. The yeah. the, the only stage I really care about is the very last one where nothing happens except they, they all, all just ride around. They all get to just drink champagne <laughs> while they ride down the street. Yeah, let's, let's go for like five, a four. Yeah, because that's my idea of bikes. <laughs> if I have them on a bicycle, it's because I'm drinking. So that's where I can get behind it. Like, yeah, the Tour de France, you guys get this. Bikes hey. over drinking. This was it. You didn't call me. Did you did you do the thing yesterday? Did you do yeah, the, I did. Oh, yeah, bastard. But I was I, I got home from work and then she got home from work and then we ran there and hey, you can't set on the run. You can't do no. the all day. That's right. My kid has games on Tuesday nights. <laughs> I, I think next week we're going to go the opposite direction to the movies on the beach. They played Pee Wee's Big Adventure on the da, beach da, 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 last da, da, da. night. That's a great movie right there. That's so, a quality American cinema. I rode a, I rode a bike to my kids game yesterday. Uh-huh. Right? Where? Not Bell, in Bell, 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 High School. Yeah, yeah Bell Park. So uh, I uh, you know, roll up, pull up, pull up, 
get about a half a block away, and the badass end is getting a little, it's a little mushy, right? Yeah, rolling all on air. That's odd. <laughs> but I checked the tire and see any punctures or anything. You know, I've been riding that same inner tube for a while now. Pumped it up, jumped back on, got on the San Gabriel River, got about a mile down, and it is flat. So I, luckily I cruise into the old, uh, what is that, Liberty Park there? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. There. Set up a nice little hmm. picnic bench area. Sun's starting to go down, changed the dinner tube. Must have pinched it. Mm-mm. Because now that I'm cruising through El Dorado Park, I'm getting soft again. Oh no! <laughs> and uh, you know, you only carry one extra. I only carry one extra. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the ride home. I do usually carry patches, though. I got patches. I was lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from from El Dorado Park to the house consisted of uh, about every mile or so pulling over, putting more, putting more, jumping back on, and riding and riding and riding and pulling over and. This is one of those days where everybody was helpful because, you know, there's a black guy riding his bike through your neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you want him to keep riding. Yeah. They ask, everything okay? <laughs> it's okay, man. I'm just going to put some more air in my tire. All right. You know, they got the nine and the one dial. They're just waiting for that last one. <laughs> I'm just stopping in front of your house to add air to my tire, dude. You're good. <laughs> I can't even run into these shoes. <laughs> Hey, regardless, I, I can't run it <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was a whole lot of whole lot of nonsense, man. I <laughs> yeah, that sucks when that happens. And I realized after that, you know, I have three of the uh, little little bitty hand pumps, uh-huh. and I have one of the uh, CO two pump thing. The CO two pump is going with me every time now. Is that whole sitting around for uh, uh-huh. 67 half pumps? <laughs> I know. I, I got sick of that. So uh, the, all my bikes all have like a little, you know, little package. Yeah. You know, inner tube, CO2, the... Uh, yeah, the CO2's going to be everywhere. Whatever the, whatever the little doohickey that goes into the CO2 is called. Yep. Uh, bike valve, I guess. And, um, and of course, so, and I have that for each bike. Because I got, yeah. I got tired of like, God damn, where, which bike is it? I got enough of them that. So now I just. That's the problem. Just, I, it's in the one, it's on the one bike. Right. The other three bikes have the little. Those pumps <laughs> suck. <laughs> and they're like this long, right? Yeah. Not even the, the full length ones we have. See, like I used to have those. Those aren't even fun to pump up a soccer ball. No. <laughs> no. So, yeah, that's, that's the way I go with that. I just, every bike has its own. And, you know, I, got, I ride with the gator skin, so. I hardly ever have to change it, so it's not like it's costing me a lot of money. That was I was riding gator skins huh? yesterday. I don't have the, the, the sidewall gator skins. I got the uh, chest tread. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Still, still, you know. So it's it's definitely those are the, like I don't pump my. I have a a nice pump here at the house. When it you know time to go on a ride, pump up the tires. But when I'm on the road, man, I am not. I'm not. Yeah, I've, 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 like, I'm picking up three more of those. Loads. Yeah, <laughs> they don't cost that much. No, it's totally don't. worth no, it. No, they don't. And I have the extra cartridges for what I had the caveats. Right there, you go. <laughs> the whipped cream cartridges are the same freaking mm-hmm. things, man. <laughs> as long as they fit the, the right, the right. Yeah, order. just make sure they fit the the. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm down there. They're like the little paintball uh-huh. gun type things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. There's no gauge on it, but hey. That's the only thing. You gotta make sure you don't uh, overfill. Yeah, but I tell you what. That's a whole lot better than stopping for. Yeah. Squeeze, squeeze. No. <laughs> yeah. I figured out it was like forty 
seven <laughs> was about the right amount oh, geez. to get me about a mile and a quarter down the road. <laughs> that sounds forty-seven kinds of miserable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially on the on the San Gabriel River after dark because you know there's some weird shit happens. There we go. Good friend Mike Gossard from Acidic. Welcome to Swim Swirl. Hey, Swoop, what's going on? What's happening, brother? How you doing, man? Long time no see. Yeah, man, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Tell us what's happening with Acidic. I understand you guys are playing this weekend at the Troubadour. Yeah, are we going to see you guys there? Uh, what day are you guys going to be there, man? Uh, we, we play Friday. We're going to go on right around 930. And, um, man, we're going to rock it. We just got off Warp Tour. We're about to leave on another headlining run. Things are... Uh, you know, everything is just about progress. I know, man. These guys have progressed so far, they won't even come in the studio anymore. They just call in every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> How is the studio going, man? It is, it's, uh, hot. it's hot tonight, man. It's, yeah. it's hot at this yeah. mofo tonight, bro. <laughs> nice. Nice. What's been happening? Tell us a little bit about what's going on with you guys. Uh, you, you know, we, we, we love their music. We, we, we play it about, we play something of yours at least each week. But uh, what's been happening with you guys, man? Well, all right. Here's, here's what's been going on. So we're in the middle of writing our next album. And as you might expect, you know, it, it, it goes when it goes. I mean, you can't force creativity. So, um, but we have a lot of really great stuff, uh, you know, it's coming together. I would say as far as writing goes, we're about 80% done. Um, and then we get, we're going to get in the studio soon. We've been touring, um, just, I mean, a whole lot, you know, we've, we've done, we've done the whole country back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, I've had a chance to go to Europe and then back to the U S back and forth, back and forth. And, um, you know, the warp tour was just another piece in the puzzle and they were awesome people. Kevin Lyman is a is a great guy, and he let us on for a uh, uh, for some dates. And oh man, it's a it's a whirlwind. I mean, it's nice getting back and on the phone with you because we. I mean, you know, we used to come into the studio there, and this is just reminding me of of how cool that was. But yeah, you know, like I said, it's all about pro- progress and not perfection, man. And uh, there is always forward progress and with forward progress comes forward momentum and you know an object in motion will tend to stay in motion well i tell you what man uh, and with all that traveling stuff i know your uh, your bass player doesn't get to surf as much as he wants to but if you stayed out of emergency rooms lately are you still uh, you still ending up in emergency rooms the night before a show Oh no, no! <laughs> I'm happy to say that um, that life is a little bit more contained these days. Let's just Don't say tell that. Me that you're killing my dream, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we had we had our crazy, you know, jails and institutions. We had our our crazy period, but um, yeah, I mean, onward and upward, as they say. Um, yeah, things are. I like to say that we're one of the more boring bands backstage <laughs> because, like, I'm just sitting down reading and warming up my voice, and then we walk out on stage, and, you know, then the whole persona comes out, and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but then we walk off stage, and people are always amazed uh, when they come up to me after the show because, you know, on stage, you know, I go crazy. And then people come up to me afterwards, and I'm like, "Yes, thank you for coming. Yeah, very nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm Michael. Yeah, 
and they're like, who is this person? Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, yeah, we're, people are always amazed, especially people are always amazed how quiet I am, um, you know, off stage, yeah. which I mean, you know, that's, I'm quiet when I'm comfortable, man. And I, I like that, but there's lots of time to be loud playing music. How, tell us a little bit about the, these tours, man. I mean, they got to be a blast. Uh, you know, you're talking about the Warp Tour and things like that. And you're and you're going on stage. I'm sure following following or or, or, or you know leading into guys that you've uh, you've admired over the years. Uh, what's that whole thing like? Oh man, touring is like it's it's a circus, man. Um, it's like the closest thing to like 18th century gypsies. You know, it's it's seriously like. Um, some tours are really, really nice in terms of, um, scheduling. Some tours are really, really nice in terms of audiences. Some tours are a combination of the two and some tours are just a whirlwind. Um, you know, I really liked Warp Tour because it was very strategic. Uh-huh. It was scheduled and it's this big organization moving around every day. And, you know, we would get there at like six in the morning and leave at like two in the morning and get to the next venue. And there, there are no days off in between except for maybe one every 10 days. So it's, it's kind of a whirlwind, but then, you know, when we do our headliner runs, we'll have two or three days off here and there. And that's nice because, you know, we get to go out and see where, where we're staying, you know, it's, you know, we get to go to all these different places around the country and sometimes we don't stop and smell the roses. Um, and yeah, you know, a common misconception is that, you know, we're these world worn travelers because yeah, it is true. We're, you know, we, we've been to all sorts of locales and, you know, we've traveled thousands and thousands of miles, hundreds of thousands of miles. Um, but at the same time, usually we have one day in a place. So we see essentially the same thing every day. The office really doesn't change. Uh, we get to the venue on our own tour, it's Warp Tour, it's different. You know, Warp Tour, we're there from sunup to sundown beyond. But on our own tours, we'll get to the venue probably around 1 in the afternoon, and then we're in the venue pretty much until we leave around 3 in the morning. Right. And then we get to the next venue and do the whole thing again. Um, but that makes the days off special. Because, like, the last time we had a few days off was in Chicago. And it is one of my favorite cities. And I actually got to go in and, you know, it's like, I like to call it like hiding in plain sight. Like I got to go and just be alone in in a big city and get a cup of coffee and put my earphones in and listen to music. Yeah. And I mean, that is, especially when we've been playing for 30 days straight with three days off in between, that is such a welcome experience, man. Well, so going back to the Warp Tour, um, how many, how many cities, how many shows did you do? How how long was that period? We were on the first full uh, first leg, so we did the first nine days legs of the tour. Wow! Um, and we did the first nine shows, ten days. Which and those was are different awesome. cities each day, right? Yeah, at different city every day. It started off in Houston, and then it went to San Antonio, then it went to Dallas, and then it went to Albuquerque, Phoenix. Um, and then it did Vegas, and then we did three cities in California. We did uh, well, we, 
Pomona and Mountain View, which is like the Bay Area, and we did Ventura. Wow. Uh, and it was great, man. Uh, again, like so organized. We had the best crew in the world. Um, you know, the stage crew. We were on the Hard Rock, um, Kevin Says stage. And um, that, I mean, the crew was unbelievable. They were amazing people. They were on it. We hung out with them afterwards. And, you know, there are these epic barbecues um, after the day, whole day's over. Like, that's just where everybody goes and meets up at the barbecue. And we would be hanging out with the crew. And, uh, you know, Kevin Lyman's always walking around with this kind of, like, cowboy hat on. And, you know, we'll walk up to him, give him a hug. He's, I mean, such a nice uh, person. It, it was the dream tour. I, you know, it really was, you know. And one of the best parts was that it was catered. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the cool things is, is you know, is, is we've we've been lucky, and I say that uh, sincerely, lucky enough to know you guys for a few years now, and 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 I know you've played in front of thousands and thousands of people, and and you guys have played a lot of little a lot of club dates and whatnot. But uh, what's it like stepping out on on the, on those big stages at these at these big mega tours with uh, you know, you know, tens oh, of thousands man. of people sitting out there waiting? Definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean. It's different every time, but it's not at the same time. Like, it's such a beautiful experience. Um, and, the, like, I thought I was going to be really nervous the first time I stepped out in front of, like, 3,000 people. But I was just ready. Like, I just knew what to do. And it was the strangest feeling. It was like stepping into my skin. Um, I'm you not even you joking with you. you surfing, though, right? Oh, I love crowd surfing, man. Although I did break my in-ear monitor the last time I did that, so my tour manager wasn't very happy. Because those things are expensive. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll give you an experience. Like, I try when when we're playing a big venue and, like, I sold out way in advance, and so, you know, the kids are excited, and, you know, they're coming out. And, like, last, last time we played a sold-out show, we played with three other bands at a big radio festival up in Spokane, Washington. Sold out, big concert hall, like 1,500 kids. Um, and it was called Too Broke to Rock, which is kind of funny. Um, but we, I was sitting in our dressing room, and, you know, I was, one, I was praying, like, thank you. Um, and... I was trying to be as quiet as possible and realize like, this is a gift right now. Yeah. Um, you know, I am no great saint. We are no great people. We're just doing our job and we are very, very lucky that we can do this right now. And I, we walked out there and treated the night with respect and treated all those people with respect. And the first words out of my mouth were, thank you. And then we played Last words out of my mouth were thank you. Walked off stage and walked right into the crowd and met as many people as we physically could. And then went back and, were, you know, we were quiet for a couple more hours. You know, it's, I, was, I used to think that when we got to a point where we were, you know, it's not all like that. You know, in certain cities, we'll draw 10 people, you know, and that's, uh, and that's fine. But the point is that some of them are growing. Um, like I said, progress, you know, not perfection. Um, you know, it, it's a gift, man. Like I thought that when we got to this point, I didn't expect it to ever get here, you know, and I didn't quite know what it was going to be like, but I thought it was going to be this grand party and blah, 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 this and that. And for me, it's not, you know, for some people it is, but for me, it's, 
I'm very happy to be here, but I also understand it's a loaded gun um, because, I mean, it's so many things. It's so vulnerable being in, in that in that place, you know, and being in, like being. It was weird what, the first time I had somebody like come up to me with my lyrics tattooed on them, or like somebody tell me that the like oh, one of our songs helped them get through something or change their life like that. It's it feels like a lot of responsibility. Yeah, um, you know, what, but it, again, it's it's all just a gift, man. Like I am so freaking grateful where I am. And the fact is in the grand scheme of things, we haven't done anything yet. The best is yet to come. And I have no idea what it's going to be, but it's going to be unbelievable. Well, the, the, the upside of that is, is what people don't realize uh, when it comes to any, anything creative a lot of times, but knowing you guys, especially is how hard you work at your craft, how much time you put in, uh, and and how and how much you care about it, and that, and that's what comes across in your music, and I'm sure that's what's come, comes across in your shows, and and uh, and then it's another reason why you appreciate it so much because you know how much you've put into it. Yeah, I, I get you know let's let's call a spade a spade. You know, we are one of many bands. We you know I try not to to take myself too seriously because my ego will lead me to places that I can't even believe. So you know. All that being said, man, I I try to take everything in stride because I am no visionary. I'm just a lucky guy in the right situation at the right time right now. And I don't know if that right time will continue, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good right now. And, um, but I mean, you know, this is awesome. You know, I mean, getting, we haven't talked to you guys in a long time and, you know, we've grown a lot since, since we last, you know, you know, set our, our bit to each other. And I, I mean, it's, it's always nice going, going back and, and talking to people who really, you know, really just get it. You guys are awesome. No, we, listen, we appreciate it. And, 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 you know, we, we try to keep track of what's going on with you guys. Cause uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we, there's, We've had a lot of guests, and we, and we love every guest we've ever had on the show. But you know, there's there's ones we out there, there's ones we're out there that we we kind of we kind of you know we, we, we kind of keep track of what's happening with them, and we're always looking for the best for them. And and you guys are you, you guys are in that category, and it's always great when uh, when uh, we we we're able to get you get you to come back and, and chat with us, and uh, hopefully soon we will get to see you live. Tell everybody about uh, this week's show, how they uh, what, what 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 day it is, how they find tickets, and uh, all those kind of good things. Yeah, all right. So we're playing at the Troubadour, and that's in West Hollywood, and that's this Friday, Friday, July 25th. And we're going to be on stage right around 930, um, and we would love to have you there. If you want to go, email us at acidictickets.com. It's, uh, no, it's not acidictickets.com. Sorry, acidictickets at gmail.com. That's A-C-I-D-I-C, tickets, at gmail.com. And tell us you want to be on our list. And, you know, if you just want to come out and hear us, we're happy to put you on the guest list. But you got to go. Nice. Mike, it's always a pleasure to, to be able to have a chance to chat with you. Uh, when you have the opportunity, I know you guys are busy, but when you have the opportunity, you can come back and, and hang out with us for about an hour or so and uh, have a couple beers and then chat it up. We'd love to have you back, man. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. 
Well, I can't say I'm interested in the beers, but I can say that I will definitely be back down there with you guys, and uh, we will have a good time. As always, brother. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you Friday night. If not, uh, we'll stay in touch, and we'll, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you very much. Very grateful to be back home with you guys. Thanks a lot. It's always a pleasure. All right. A lot of love. Bye. This is the on Talks Radio Network. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, we'll be back after. Matter of fact, let's listen to some acidic, man. Those guys are always great. This is Strata Red. Back after this. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Hello, this is Lady Vijayjay, and you're listening to Swoops World Radio. Oh, uh, you know that sound? It's time for sports with T-Bone's Time Out. Or as we say it here, it's T-Bone's Time Out. Next week, live in studio here, the return of Steve Delamater yeah. and a world premiere of his newest EP. That's right. That's Steve right. Delamater coming to town. I saw he's been doing a great job promoting the hell he out of has, that. You know, the Kudos first of all, to him. First of all. <laughs> and second and third and fourth. Steve, Steve is always uh, a good time here. And, That's true. Uh, he's one of our he, most fun studios. He promised guys. us that he was the uh, next EP would be debuted here. On the show, That's right. he's keeping his promise, and he, as as always, is promoting the hell out of it. And uh, we love him, and looking forward to having him in studio with us next week. That's right. And I I love hanging out with Steve Delamater. Yeah, he's I mean, funny guy. It's nice to have somebody my age come around. I was hanging out with those old guys. <laughs> he's actually a couple years younger than me. <laughs> but close, closer to your age. It was, a real, it was a real motherfucker of a reality <laughs> check when he told me how old he was. I was like, oh, shit. I'm not just like your age. Like, I'm, you're like a couple years younger than me. I'm like, oh, man. Anything I felt when I realized you were the same age as a kid I got. <laughs> yeah. Probably a little different than how I felt when I found out you were my dad's age. But, I mean, you know. It's in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, we're we're in the dog days of summer. We are in late July. It's hot. It's sticky, and we're in the good part of the world. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it. And we've been pretty lucky because we've had a pretty mild summer. Yeah. We really yeah, haven't I mean, had too talking, much no. heat. We're talking th- this. The next couple of days, we're going to be going, oh, shit. And then yeah, it's, it's going to be like 90. <laughs> yeah. So we haven't had anything in the way of extreme heat yet. Yeah, or humidity. We've had some uncomfortable humidity. But not the heat to go with it. Standards. Oh, no, I'm with you there. But but not the humidity yeah. that that other people. Yeah, uh, I mean, these folks, I mean. Think God, New York. No wonder people Chicago in Detroit and D.C. Right? Up. I mean, fuck. <laughs> There's a whole lot of reasons to give up in Detroit. <laughs> Weather's just one of them. But that's what makes the Navenfield grounds crew all the more inspiring. You know, I've talked. We've talked about these folks. Mm-hmm. Right. These are the guys who, the guys and gals. I'm sorry. You know, who go out day in and day out and maintain the field at the site of the former Tigers Stadium. And they actually made some big breakthroughs this year. Um, yeah, they keep that up, don't they? That's they right. do. And it's actually, it's you know, the site is still owned by the city. But the city is much less contentious with them than they were two or three years ago. I mean, when this whole thing started, the the, the stadium, Tiger Stadium, got torn down in '99 or 2000, and they built Comerica Park, you know, down the road, wherever. It's not at the corner of Michigan Avenue and Trumbull or whatever. Um, this this site, it's hosted baseball, professional baseball, for well over a hundred years, and these folks. When the, when the ballpark got torn down, the city just put up fences and gates and locks and left it. <laughs> and after a couple of years, these people got, some people got really 
sad. Like, man, this is this is a part of American history. Damn straight. And we're leaving it here to rot. And weeds, you know, six foot tall weeds are growing. And they weren't going to stand for it anymore. So people actually, for the first several years of this movement, went in with bolt cutters and cut off locks every weekend <laughs> and went and mowed grass and weeds with their own equipment, letting it get, I mean, destroying their own equipment because when they knocked down the old stadium, they just left chunks of concrete everywhere. I mean, they didn't, like, knock it down and clean it up. They just knocked it down and fucking left it. And so the, these folks have fought a very long uphill battle to make this a presentable, functional space that not only honors its history, but is a useful space for people to come and enjoy. And people come from all over the world every day to come hang out at the corner, as they call it. Uh, and, you know, they get to go up and take a swing at home plate on what used to be Tiger Stadium or Navin Field. And, and now... They're at the point where they have the old, they have the old timey baseball games there every weekend or oh, two, yeah. where they got like you know the umpires wearing a top hat and the, <laughs> yeah. they don't wear gloves out in the field and all that stuff. Um, oh, the real old timey, real like eighteen sixties yeah. old timey <laughs> baseball, yeah. Um, so no black players. <laughs> no, they they had black players then. They just it wasn't had them until like playing until a different like field. The turn of the century where they decided that blacks weren't allowed. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, when baseball started, it was egalitarian. <laughs> all right, all right, just check it out. But, um, Locked up every <laughs> whether any of the black people in Michigan in general or Detroit specifically want to associate with that crowd might be a different story. I don't know. I haven't been there yet. So, yeah, I'll have to talk to Peter's family. <laughs> they left. They're gone. <laughs> From what it sounds like, they're <laughs> smart people. <laughs> but, you know, um, they're actually in the process. It, it sucked because the guys who run this whole thing, who are out there every every day, like, putting in not only their physical sweat and toil, but also the administrative side of it. They're actually running this. Like, it's like they're running it volunteer, on a volunteer basis as basically a city park. Uh, and they're doing, you know, they're scheduling all these people, groups that come in to play games. Not just the old-timey people, but, like, little league teams and high school teams come and play games there. Which would be cool. So Can you imagine? Really like cool. Like, yeah, really yeah. friggin' cool. But it's a shit ton of work. And these guys oh, that started <laughs> out as a thorn in the city's side are actually, like, they have somewhat of the blessing of the city of Detroit for now. While the city is shopping bids for developers <laughs> to come in. Right. Um, to... But, Steal it all away and, city, and, you know, screw and, and them here's over. Here's what's going on right now. The city of Detroit wants Sounds to. Sounds vaguely familiar. <laughs> Does any of this sound familiar to you? Yes. Right? You guys have been here. So, you know, you swam this river. Not but, quite as large a venue, but still. But uh, these folks that have been doing a, a, a thankless job and you know getting tickets occasionally for doing it, citations for doing it, not tickets to ball games. <laughs> uh, they. They now are at the point where they've done this work and gotten a pretty solid following. I mean, they've got teams from all over Michigan coming in to want to play games there. They've got tourists, you know, it's, it's almost like Field of Dreams. People are literally coming from Denmark and random-ass places around the world to come hang out there. That's pretty cool. And it is. It's really cool. And But now the city wants to develop... They want to monetize One it. half of this lot, basically... <laughs> And build some kind of warehouse store or something, you know, a Costco type store on it, and Imagine turn what's that. left of it into like a little league size field. 
because you know it's for the children. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the framing that they're That's what it's always is. <laughs> and this is where, you know, for once for the New York didn't fuck it up. The Yankees have taken the old site of original Yankee Stadium, which has now been out of commission for three years ish. Sounds right. Um they knocked the old stadium down but kept the field, the original playing field dimensions and everything in place and they also built another field out in the outfield going the opposite direction and a little league size field off to the side of the third baseline yeah and the folks in detroit and you know the city and the yankees together did all this and actually picked up the rubble of the old stadium you know novel idea Mm. Um, but made a beautiful park they call it heritage park or heritage field or something like that um i'll make my way and you do you do you never got to see a game in the old bird? Nope. I have never made it to that state yet. I mean, next hey, I, I got to say, you're a not... A year from now, I'll be paddling across the U.S., man. You're not missing that much, but... <laughs> well, my, my plan the trip, though. To land the trip. in uh, Virginia. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, divert from there. I'll be taking D.C. and then maybe head up to NYC. Well, you know, like I was saying, the, the city of New York and the Yankees did something good for the world because these guys out in Detroit have, like, a, they have a, a proof of, you know, proof of concept model that, hey, we can put a Little League field over here on the side and still keep the original dimensions of the original historic field. And, you know, so your for the children argument goes out the window. Right. And we expose your it's for the money argument for what it is. And remind you that we've been doing all this for free at no cost to the city for almost a decade now. It's just a cool thing, man. Like, I love to see people say, fuck the man, we're going to do this anyway. But you know what happens? You know, you oh, know, they're going to get fucked. Yeah, they're going to get screwed But that's that's why I like... of Astroglide. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> absolutely. But, I mean, i got to get out there before that happens. Like, I'd, I don't want to go to Detroit. I really don't. You know what? It's one of those places. It's, it's, you you, you got to say you've been there. Yeah. I do, yeah. and I would like to, you know, Imagine say that I have some... a little layover, but <laughs> <laughs> I have ne- you see, but it's not on the way to anyway. It is. So not. That's <laughs> the thing. No. Like my, to hell. <laughs> my dad, you know, my dad has a habit of going out to Nebraska for like three, four weeks for the first part of football season, and he'll use that as kind of his home base and drive to all all different points around the country. Sure. And he's driven like he's driven from. Lincoln to Atlanta and you know Washington, Philadelphia, and New York. Detroit, you wouldn't think would be that far from you know the smack dab middle of the country. It was like, I mean, it's, it's far from everything, and it's not on the way to anything. Uh, apparently, it's close to some lakes. Uh, some lakes. Yeah. <laughs> Toronto is sort of across the lakes. Sort of. Big fucking lakes. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm just thinking if you're in Nebraska and you want to go to Toronto. Yeah. That, yeah. You might. Is there a ferry? There is, actually. There is. There is. But, uh, I don't think they like being called ferries anymore. Uh, uh, you know, it's a distraction. <laughs> but I, I, otherwise, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's just... It's, it's not on the way to anything. On the way to nothing. Yeah. yeah. Nothing, you know... I mean, granted, you could go to Toronto and see baseball. Go to Toronto and see what it's supposed to be baseball. If they have the roof open, <laughs> it's almost like real baseball. They've won more World Series than the Padres have. Mm-hmm. So, ooh, somebody in the Padres gets to yeah, I have. 
This this oh, has yeah. been I like the, the last the last week has been. It feels like 1993 all over again. <laughs> they traded away Houston Street last week, who is their closer. Who I is heard, like, you know, I, yeah. a, a competent guy who straight up called out. He called out not the management of the Padres. He called out the roster of the Padres. He said, you know, the management's trying to do things to win. I blame the players for losing. I was like, oh, crap. I guess you can say that when you're on a plane and I'm out of town. But you, you're still going to have to come play these guys every now and then. Yep. And you're in the National League. Well, now he's in the American League, but when he plays them, he's going to be playing in a National League ballpark half the time. Right. And he's going to have to go up to the plate. But uh, he got traded to the Angels, and then they traded Chase Headley to the Yankees the other day. And then today, Cameron Maven gets suspended for 25 games for violation of the substance abuse There are substances that you're not allowed to abuse. Oh, my God. I hadn't heard about this. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, uh, you know, and that one's beyond their control, but it already felt like they had packed in the season, and today was just kind of a punch in the gut. Mm. It's like, wow. In the last week, you saw them go from third in the division to we don't give a shit how this season is. <laughs> and last, even last season, where they didn't finish high, but they finished kind of on a high note. Yeah. Like, all right, we're building. We're, we we didn't do particularly well this year, but next year we might yeah, kind of get up there, right? It was, and a, it was a rough so much. week. It was a rough yeah. week for, for all 12. That's a shame because, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not Meanwhile, a big fan, every but other California team is <coughs> doing all right. Going gangbusters. Uh, Dodgers, Dodgers sort of moving sideways. Yeah, the they're, they're but, okay. But they're well, near the top, so. I, I think the Angels and A's have both maybe yet to lose since the All-Star break. They're on fire. Ended. I mean, yeah. and they were the two best teams in baseball at the All-Star Game. And they're both just continuing to smash on everybody. Uh, the Angels won again today, I believe, if they haven't. If it's I think so, right? Yeah, they did. Um, California, that's where it's at. You know, we, we, we can't manage a budget to save our lives, but in Major League Baseball, that's a good thing. Just because the government's not involved. <laughs> just throw that out there. Uh, and, and, you know, the A's, they have some hope that they might actually be able to build a stadium in Oakland. I don't know who is blowing that sunshine and rainbows up their butts, but... Um, I heard that, uh, what, uh, I think uh, Marcus Allen spoke, uh, made a statement regarding the uh, Raiders. And, uh, they should move back to Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Yeah. Should have never left. That's true. I mean, that was just... That was stupid. That was when Al Davis clearly demonstrated that he had... Become incompetent. Yes. And until no, Donald no, no, Sterling... No, 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 no. He wasn't incompetent because Irwindale was incompetent. <laughs> he left L.A. with a million bucks in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, maybe 96 or 97 he was incompetent. But yeah, until yeah. Donald Sterling tries to move the Clippers to Oakland or... Back down to San Diego? Yeah, I mean... They fell to Oakland this week, right? What's that? Yeah, yeah, uh, what's, who's the commissioner? Raj. Yeah, the Goodell, ginger bastard. Goodell Oakland either build a new stadium or share the 49ers' new stadium. Hmm. I don't know how the 49ers felt about that, but that's what he 
Well, they felt probably like they could make a crap load of money off of it, but then they yeah. would have to let those dirty Raider fans in. Back off, Jim. <laughs> what I've heard is yeah, step up. San Francisco's back. not uh, <laughs> no, opposed to it. They just fans are awful too. They want to. They want to get a pile of money out of it. They're not even in San Francisco anymore. It's in Santa Clara, for Christ's sake. But, I don't know. At least in the same state. The NFL doesn't have the same... Was it the Jets? Jets and Giants. The NFL doesn't have the same silly territory restrictions that Major League Baseball has. Which is why, honestly, that's a big part of why the Raiders are in this predicament to begin with. Because they can't make the Coliseum a decent football stadium because they still have to share it with the A's, because the A's can't build a stadium in all kinds of places that are far away from San Francisco and Oakland, but are still considered Giants territory. Right. Well, the problem is, is the first thing you got to do is upgrade the city of Oakland. <laughs> if you've Good luck been, with that. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. I have been there, and I have been happy to leave every single time. I remember... Going up to Stockton for a family reunion when I was like seven, and mm-hmm. we're like, oh, we got some other family in Oakland. We're gonna go up there and we're gonna go to a We've baseball game. We've all been game. sucked into the old oh, and, we got you know, family in Oakland. Routine. Got to go to a baseball game <laughs> back in the early '90s when the A's were still riding the coattails of their success. You know, I actually got to see Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, who oh, apparently yeah. don't speak anymore. Imagine that. Play, play a game uh, for the A's, and I became an instant Bash Brothers fan because, you know, How I've could always, you not? I've always had a thing for steroids, uh, even when I was seven. But, uh, you know, I remember driving away from that stadium being like, why is that guy peeing? <laughs> yeah, like, it is so... Going under, going under overpasses and bridges and, you know, BART tracks and just, like, going on here. <laughs> I'm, at this point in my life, I was still really like a country bumpkin-ass kid. <laughs> yeah, I played a football game in Oakland, and, they, uh, and then we went out to get some barbecue munchies after that, and then we were talking to some Oakland cops, and they go, you went where, when? <laughs> <laughs> You're some brand sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but if the, I mean, it's not going to be up to the Raiders to get a new stadium. No. It's up to the A's to get out. Because that stadium can be perfectly functional and downright good for football. It needs a lot of work. It does. It It needs $50 million at least of work. They're talking about in this era, you're talking about... In that area, you're talking about a billion dollars. And fifty million is a the lot cheaper. The combination than, yeah. stadiums is that the baseball season and the football season overlap, and then what you have is guys running across the infield. And that's just the first problem. Well, yeah, the place to watch a game. I mean, even when the, Rams, the Oakland even when the, Rams, even when the Rams played but at Oak, Angel Stadium, Oakland has always been the worst of the combination stadiums too, because yeah. of the configuration. Yeah, every other stadium that shared, and granted, they're the only one left. Every other stadium that did double duty as an NFL and Major League Baseball stadium, the infield, the baseball infield, was in one corner right. of one side of the field. Did you ever go Oakland, to did you, did you ever see when CSULB played at Anaheim Stadium before? I think before the Rams got. No, they it was they it was, quit playing football was, when I was, oh, was seven. Oh, that's right. So. <laughs> Back to fuck off, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I was seven. No, I wasn't eight. I was seven. <laughs> Kill me, Francis. Uh, it, was, it was so screwed up because this 
the way the stadiums, you can't, they have to close off certain seats so you can actually see the game. Mm-hmm. And then the, the field runs across the. You know. But see, Oakland Coliseum is actually a better football stadium than it is a baseball yes, stadium. Much better football stadium than a baseball stadium. So with but, renovations, but with it could the work. Baseball field in place is oh. the worst. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like I was saying, every other combination stadium had the the infield diamond. The dirt cutout was in one corner of one side of the field. In Oakland. The way they have it set up. Right through the middle. It's right in the middle <laughs> of the fucking field. Anybody who's watched Raider game goes, yeah. what the hell's going on here? <laughs> He's running through the running track. He's running past the running track. He's running the midfield. <laughs> He's safe at home. Fourth <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's honestly, it's not, I, like I, I still contend, it's not up to the, to the Raiders. It's up to the A's to find a way out. Because the Raiders... Can make that a functional stadium. Granted, yes, they should still be. Well, they need to. They need to. They, need to they still have more LA. They still have more Raider fans in LA than they do in the Bay. That's true. And nothing is going to change that. Twenty years of switching back hasn't. And they were only here for ten years. It's like, what the shit? It was a glorious ten years. It was though. great. I had season tickets in. Man. <laughs> they were. They were some ballers. <laughs> personally do without them being here but i can't get away from them anyway because all you people are still here so plus when yeah, they play down people. plus when they play down in san diego we feel the stadium down there too <laughs> and i know because i have been down there and, and those weren't even in in, in so chargers not, losing seasons those are in charge of winning seasons there aren't any police databases there just saying, I got in. Maybe not with the ticket that I paid for, but I got in. That's overrated anyway. Yeah, I've always I, I believed, have, I have to I believe, believe that contraband is a big part of American society. I have to admit that uh, Goes without I, saying. I, had, I, had, I, actually I mean, had the Industrial Revolution, he stole that time shit. tailgating at a gel deal Jack Murphy Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had to tell some whippersnappers about football today. And they looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, I've played this game before. Along those lines, along those lines, my son's going to, you know, he's going to go to Polly to play, uh, to, to go to school. And I'm like, he's going to the most professional athletes, high school, the most professional yeah. athletes ever. And uh, and my wife was telling him, yeah, because he's got a girlfriend now. And I'm like, oh, you're going to have so much fun. You go to the football games, and he looks at us. Like, what the hell? Like we like just like we just pop three eyes out of our head. He's like, "Why would I want to go to a football game?" I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm, first of all, I was like, "Where I want a DNA test now." And second of all, what the hell are you talking about? And he's like, "Well, you played football." I was like, "It doesn't matter whether you play football." When I was a freshman, I wasn't on the on the. I didn't wasn't varsity, right? But I went to the games. I said, and we were a shitty, shitty, shitty team. We lost like. All the time. That it was still. Go, that made going to the games that much more, more fun. fun. <laughs> you weren't missing anything. You were hanging out with your friends. I was like, I was like, that was a blast. Hold on there, and he just, just so you know, didn't get it. You were not alone. Oh, okay. My son is about to be a senior at his high school. Uh, don't tell me he's not he's been, been to a game. He's been to probably like four games. All right. Well, at least he's like, been to a game. He's got friends that play. And I'm like, dude, uh, you going to get it? He goes, why? I said, doesn't so-and-so play and so-and-so play and so-and-so play? The same guys you hang out with all the time? Yeah. You're not going to go to the games? Go to my soccer games. Yeah, I guess that would be my question. Like, they go to his I go, like, I go, yeah, but it's football. He's like, he says, nah. Like, so I always know when he does go, 
is because there's a girl involved. Oh, of course. Well, at least you've got that going. He won't go. <laughs> Otherwise, he's just like, he just blows it off. I said, dude, you don't go to homecoming? You don't go to this? Go to this. He goes, yeah, we suck. But again, my team sucked. We went to all those games. Artesia High was not, they weren't even on the map back when I was there. But then he'll say, oh, I'm going to the game this week. Oh, you're going to the game? He goes, yeah. Where are you going? So, 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 so. Oh, what? Then a couple days later, he goes, I find out that there was, you know, the three guys he said he was going with, you know. There were like eight girls that were going in the same room. Still, that's half the reason to go. That's the reason to go every game. Too <laughs> many crickets. Second what is wrong with the youth uh, of America this, this today? This generation is screwed, man. They are messed And up. we, in turn, are screwed. <laughs> they don't get it, man. We're at, we're Apparently not. Apparently not. Uh, that's just crazy. I just don't get it. I mean, that every you know, high school sucks. I get it. It's not a lot of fun. You got to go through it. Well, so you might as well try to make the most of it. Do the fun parts of it. I go, I I go to, you got to go to the game on Friday night. Usually there's an after game dance. High school sucked, but after game dance stuff around it was fun. Party. That's like what I'm saying. I had a blast in high school. I had, I had a great time. I had a great time in high school. Yeah. <laughs> that school part was such a joke. <laughs> well, you know, you're the high school quarterback. Sucked. Yeah. Sucked <laughs> for him. <laughs> Did either of you boys ever have to carry a ball around on campus <laughs> after fumbling the week before? No, no, but I got my ass chewed. My coach, our, 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 my freshman, my, my sophomore year, our coach, uh, good old Norm Flowers, says, <laughs> he says, I bet he took a lot of his childhood anger out on you just <laughs> oh, over oh that name. God. Here's a guy. Norm here, here's Flowers. a guy who. Out of our high school was, was actually they actually was looking at playing big time collegiate and maybe maybe make it to the pros when he he was there in the sixties right and uh, then there was this whole Vietnam War thing and he got his knee shot off in uh, a helicopter so not so much not so much so he was our he was our high school, he was our coach sophomore year oh my god and he says in <laughs> no. the beginning of the season he says. You know, I, I want to have a good season. He goes, but bottom line is, I don't want to lose to Mayfair. He goes, those guys ran up to score on us last year. I don't give a shit if we lose every game. We ain't losing to Mayfair. Right? So here we come, Mayfair. Oh, shit. <laughs> Mayfair game, we got the lead with, like, minutes left in the game, and they have to punt. Who drops the punt? Who fumbles the punt Mm-mm. near the five-yard line? <laughs> wasn't Mr. Lewis, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Fair catch thing. Oh, no. Look up, look down, hear footsteps, drop the ball, they recover, they score, they win. Oh. I see my coach eight years down the road. Oh. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going? And my buddy goes, What do you remember about him? He goes, He fumbled the fucking punt <laughs> that made us lose to Mayfair the one year I didn't want to lose Mayfair. <laughs> I'm like, well, at least I left a memorable. <laughs> <laughs> He recognized you. Yeah. <laughs> could probably speak your name on his deathbed. Uh, he probably will. <laughs> I'm wheeze. sure he's had a whole lot Fucking of... Fucking Lewis. He's had a whole lot of other disappointments. <laughs> no, it sounds like a big one. Uh, I get off the air. It's like 11.10. So. Oh, yeah, we were rolling all along, yeah. We can be off the air whenever you want. Well, it's up to you. It's your second. I mean, hey, like I said, we're in the dog days, man. <laughs> Baseball is just coming back from the All-Star break. Football is like two weeks from being even pretend interesting. 
Uh, I would love to. I can't wait for the college football preview that we're going to do at least once before the season starts. I know we got some spots. You have a past guest who wants to be in on your uh, predictions. Oh. <laughs> oh, do I? <laughs> tell me, please tell me. The platitudes. The platitude. Let's do uh, a weigh in on the, uh, the predictions there, man. We I talked predict, to him since the last time. I predict a foggy outcome for that proposition. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. pass it along. It's your segment. Yeah. He may have changed his mind after his last visit. Well, if you weren't such an ass. Uh, <laughs> saying. I mean, it's not like we got him to quit his career. We've done that once before. But... <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot about him. <laughs> we are the meat grinder every now and then. Like, we're pretty easygoing, fun people. But if you. Until uh, that moment, when we're not. <laughs> Generally, it takes, it it takes that, at least a, a repeat. What was that comedian guy? Uh, yeah. He got a big old beak. Uh, <laughs> I don't you know me. I'm, so, I'm good with faces, bad with names. He had a big we had, big, big, that, big, big, that, was, that was a fun night. That we had, was a fun night. <laughs> we had my, my dad and my brother in the oh, studio. That's right. <laughs> and I think they definitely contributed to the beatdown. <laughs> Uh, he earned that one, though, man. Oh, he absolutely. More than earned it. Yes, yes. Well, right. Comedy was not his gig? Uh, no, not so much. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Some might say that radio is not my gig. But, yeah, but you got to face radio. Some might be able to suck it. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, the NBA, I don't want to hear anything about anything going on with the NBA. Like, right. Honestly, it sucks. Like, Donald Sterling, don't care. LeBron James, don't care. Yeah, you know what? It, it, with story, a lot of these stories, I mean, you can tell how much I you can tell how much up, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel by the the, the front page headlines this, on ESPN. It's not even sports, man. It's just some of these. This stories, shit about Tony Dungy. Some, some of these like, stories. Why just, is this an issue? Who, yeah, some of these stories you just kind of go, yeah, that was horrible, but I'm over it. Yeah. You know? I care far less about who Michael Sam screws or what Tony Dungy says about who Michael Sam screws than I care about any sports related activity. I'm with you, brother. I mean, I would rather hear about the fucking Tour de France, and I don't give I can a tell you, shit. I can tell you about that all the time. <laughs> about the Tour de France. Unfortunately, I do. <laughs> you and I can talk about that off the air, I guess. It's like... And it's not like I really, I don't know, I just... It's something to watch. Yeah, yeah. You feel cultured when you do it. It's not the culture thing, it's just like, fuck. How do you write that fast up that hill? But then you look at the, they say the average age of the uh, Tour de France runners over the last X number of years is 28. 28? Yeah. But what's interesting is they say when, you, when you hear the announcers with their foreign accents, which makes it sound smarter, mm-hmm. talk about these guys in their prime, like the they're, they're in their uh, low 30s. So, I don't know. Ooh, so my prime is ahead of me. In at least one sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're such a cyclist, so... <laughs> I'm thinking you're probably being passed there, too. Uh, I, I, I'm working on my running at the moment. Anyway, I'm up to, like, two miles at a time. How's that going? I hate it. I know. Fucking this guy, running this sucks. Guy, have you ever seen this guy run? No. I was sitting at a, at a coffee house <laughs> once a couple of years ago, and I didn't even know he, I didn't even know he jogged. I know the guy for, like, years. I've him for years. <laughs> and uh, this is back when uh, his daughter was still in the... Uh, the oh, that's jog, the jogger. That's right. Stroll, I forgot right? about that. I'm sitting there with uh, Tom O'Keefe. Mm-hmm. We were sitting there having a couple Pass gas. And all of a sudden, Peter blows by with the jogstrap. <laughs> I mean, 
Hold an ass. <laughs> it was not. Is that Peter just run? Nah, Peter didn't run. <laughs> he rides a bike. <laughs> he surfs. He doesn't run. And then I go, yeah, that was him. <laughs> I hate running, but, uh, you know. But you're pretty darn good at it, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just hate it. I do I, it because I, I got to. Too. Yeah. Because I have to. That's why I do and it. And Ashley runs, but she runs, like, marathons. Oh, so she runs, God. No she way. runs, like, 10-minute miles. But for, she can do that for 20 for miles. Yeah, see, I was going to say, I can do that for two three miles. <laughs> I mean, but I can't do it past that. Because then I'm like, fuck. A 10-minute mile hurt. for me is agonizingly slow. But, like, I'm used to running when I run. I you know, run what, a like two mile, miles. You know exactly. what a 10-minute mile to me is? Walking too fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're, we've been running a couple days a week. And she, I know she can fucking run circles around me long term. Uh, You're a sprinter. To, if we try to run the same pace, I'm like, I, I can't do it. Like, Dude, I was, I was married, I was married to one of those, and uh, she still runs. I see her once in a while. She can run for days. And then, when, when the few times we run together, we you know I come to the stoplight. I think that's the time to stop. And I'd be sitting there doubled over, and she'd be jogging in place. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> see, I, I hate running. So my whole thing is. Get it done. Get it done. We're going to run three miles, four miles, five miles, whatever the distance is, let's do it as fast as yeah. I humanly, as yeah. fast as I can physically Listen. do it, so that I can then go back to drinking beer or whatever it is I would rather Running be doing. fast means the cops are after <laughs> Well, there's that too. <laughs> or a husband has just come home. <laughs> You know, my, my buddy played football at Wake Forest back in college. And he, he, Wake Forest people, they don't have a lot to brag about sports-wise, so they like to bag on anything they can about North Carolina or Duke. And it was like 05 or 06. Somebody from North Carolina took a tu- took a kickoff for a touchdown, like you know, 100-yard return. And the kid after the game was like, I don't know, it was just like instinct, like running from the cops. <laughs> <laughs> All the Wake Forest people love that one. Oh, no, no. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, I, I, I can't do like these short little steps every evening. Uh-uh. uh-uh. I, that's why I have multiple bikes. <laughs> that's my running. You know got to do I, some cross-training, man. I have, to admit, I have to admit that I do do the uh, the elliptical runner at the gym. Oh. And a pace uh, You need to do something. You do need to do something that... Uh, you know, impact. I do. Because otherwise you'll end up with I do. I do, uh, you know, osteoporosis I do a bunch shit of like that. Exercises All right. stuff. You got to have the impact. That's the I only do, reason I, I run. I do core exercises and I do somewhat kind of half ass do these things up the, up the steps down to the beach. You know, those, those, those steps taken down from, the, from Ocean Boulevard. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. I, I, the other reason I run was because that asshole in Kendo. He's kicking my ass for a while there, and I realized like he's always going to be faster than me because he started when he was like five years old, right? So, so I just have more conditioning than him, right? So he gets winded before I get winded, and I'm ten years older than him. It's a small victory, but you know what? It's we'll just a, what it's just a point of pride. And he smokes, and he's a little pudgy around the middle, and I'm like, fuck you, man. You might be able to, but I. See where I go we put these sticks hey, down here's, here's and go, go for it. This I'll is, kick your see, fucking this ass. Is the I know that. You and I. So you go with, you 
what? You're better at the sticks than I am. I'll, I'll hang in there till you win it, and then I'll whip your ass. He's, no, he's still with my ass. He's I, that my, good. My theory is you're good with those sticks, and you're better than I am. I got a cut. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that definitely, that definitely works. Ah, there's no Marcus the Queensberry rules here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're still in the air? Yeah. Oh, my are. goodness. Lord have mercy. Hey, who knows how much trouble we're in now? There you have it. Another edition of TiVo. break and uh wrap things up this is after arrows this is called show me you what show me all you can back after this
The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their <laughs> guests do not necessarily. You're listening to the Sushi Talks Radio Network. We uh, next week, Steve Delamater joins us in studio. We're working on his latest EP. We want to thank for him. Jordan Oram, uh, the Maple Musketeer, Michael W. Stan from the Alter Billies, and Mike Gossard from Acidic for joining us tonight. Uh, check them all out. Uh, Jordan's got a book out called the, uh, Crossing Canada with the Maple Musketeer. Uh, check that out. That's an outstanding book. Uh, the Alter Billies, Michael W. Stan, the Alter Billies, A-L-T-A-R-B-I-L-L-I-E-S. Find them on Facebook and iTunes, and uh, they got a new album out. Mike Gossert and his group, Acidic, will be at the Troubadour this weekend, Friday night, he says. <clears throat> if you want tickets to see them, send an email to acidictickets at gmail.com. They will put you on the guest list and get you into the Troubadour, which is an iconic club here in the uh, city of Los Angeles. So get a chance to check that out. want to thank all of you who listen in on uh, swoopsworld.com, uh, Swoopsworld app. Talk stream live and all the other ways you listen to Super World. We truly appreciate it. Last minute thoughts, guys? Nope. You guys are Rarely. All, you're all done, huh? Tapped out, man. Tapped out. The That's views and opinions expressed Good by night, the individual all. hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors.